Hello and welcome listeners to Laps Gamer Radio. I'm your host for today, Adam Ducker, and this episode is dedicated to our most recent playlist selected title or titles, shall we say, in the form of the Sonic Trilogy being Sonic 1, 2 and finally 3, developed and published by good old Sega. I'm joined today by Stuart Neal and Lee Howard. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello, chaps, and uh, hello, listeners. In past playlist shows, we've had an in-depth discussion on a number of titles, ranging from the first three acts of Kentucky Route Zero, Brothers A Tale of Two Sons, Call of Juarez, Gunslinger, Counter Spy, Grim Fandango Remastered, Uncharted Golden Abyss, and most recently, The Wolf Among Us. Similar to some of those shows, we're going to share our thoughts and experiences of playing through the Sonic trilogies, and I'm going to warn listeners up front that we will be spoiling for the ga- spoiling the game. For what it's worth, Sonic may not have much in the way of story, but you'd be surprised that there are a few twists and turns of each level as you go along, so if you want to go and play the game, go and do it now, save this episode for later. So that's your obligatory spoiler warning out of the way. So I guess before we start, guys, I just wanted to talk about how we each approach these games, whether we played them back in the day, how we all came to be on this Sonic episode. Um, <laughs> a gun was put to our head. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. You, you can step away at any point, Lee. It's all good. I, this was uh, set as punishment, wasn't it, for doing so poorly on the quiz, the uh, naming of the Sonic the two, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 levels. <laughs> so I'm here serving my penance. Yeah, I think I did make the joke that we had to do a Sonic level after that poor performance, so here we are. <laughs> Admittedly, Lee and myself voluntarily signed up for this. Yeah. I think the rest of the team <laughs> stood well yeah, back from There's a reason us. there's only three of us, yeah. Um, so did you guys play the Sonic games back in the day, I guess, is the first part of this. Were you Sega guys, yes or no? Yeah, I was a Sega guy. Um, although the Mega Drive was my first one, I um, before that um, I had been playing on a Spectrum 48K um, that my dad had bought back in, what, 1980 or thereabouts. Okay. So certainly the Mega Drive would have been my first proper console and a sort of games machine that um, I could call my own as such. Uh, so certainly Sonic 1 was uh, one of the packed-in games with that. And... Uh, was played an awful lot at the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm very similar to that scenario in that I played on, I can't even remember what it was actually called, it was one of those, um, at my granddad's house he had a Spectrum, but he also had one of those machines where you plug it into the telly and it's got like four different games. Um, I think they were meant to be variants of sport, but they're essentially all just that kind of black background with the white kind of rectangular shapes, and mm. like kind of Pong and things like that. But um in terms of like my own console that was bought for me as my own, it was the Master System, um, a little bit before the Mega Drive, um, and I can just remember, you know, playing that religiously. So it really very much kind of like my formative console gaming education was definitely at the Church of Sega. I, I, I didn't even really cast an eye in Nintendo's direction until the kind of like SNES came along. But I'd, by that point, I'd already you know been through the Game Gear and the Mega Drive, of course, when when that arrived, and yeah, Sonic was kind of like ubiquitous. I guess really, although I played things like um, Alex the Kid, which I believe was packed in with the Master System, if my memory serves correct, and of course you had the kind of Wonder Boy games, and I can even remember obviously being a massive arcade gamer in those days as well, and it was brilliant to have like a continued Wonder Boy 
games, you know, on, on a home console, but no, really, like, Sonic was the flagship, and I was completely suckered in. I don't think I really knew what was going on. Like, I think in the in the playground, you do, you got sucked into the Sega versus Nintendo camp, but really, it was out of ignorance. Like, I, I literally was just all for Sega and all for Sonic, because that's ultimately what... Um, I'd experienced myself and it was interesting going back because I think my memory has merged all of these games together like all the kind of Sonic <laughs> games together because of course I would have played Sonic on the Master System and the Game Gear probably if, unless I'm getting my dates wrong before I would have done the Mega Drive but it seems to be the Mega Drive one that's the one that we've obviously played for this show that's mm. kind of stood with me the longest um, so yeah no, it was it was an interesting kind of adventure down um, memory lane returning to this franchise mine was pretty similar had a bbc micro which my parents stupidly bought thinking we would do uh, educational stuff on it all we did was play games <laughs> but then so like repton and things so very very like slow paced games but then went um there was a girl that lived next door and she had sonic and i remember playing it and being absolutely mesmerized by like the bright colors it was the bonus stage she would play a lot mm. and then uh, somewhat it's weird how you think of like you were saying Lee, like the formative years. I think this might be the first ever time I witnessed like a cheat code that wasn't a password. <laughs> on the original, if you did up, down, left, right, a start, I think it was, you'd get a level select screen. Yeah. And I was just like, holy, what the hell is this? Like, I cannot believe you can do. I'm used to writing down passwords for the old BBC games, and here's all these cheat codes and stuff. So then, aside from all the gameplay aspects, I guess. I was also fascinated by this weird world that consoles could open up of like magical codes and stuff and but I was just amazed by it. So I used to go around to that girl's house a lot, not because I liked her. <laughs> she had a Mega Drive. And we didn't get a Mega Drive till quite a bit later, so I went around a lot. Um So, the first game we're gonna we're gonna run through the trilogy, I guess, and we'll use the word run, like Sonic. So Sonic One was released in 1991 and it remains to this day one of the best selling games ever probably because it was bundled with the Mega Drive and Genesis console. It was the first game developed by the newly formed Sonic team at Sega and they also helped by Masato Nakuma who was a bass guitarist of a popular J-pop band called Dream Come True. He would mail his songs piecemeal into Sega we would then translate it onto into a format that was understandable and playable on the console's Yamaha sound chip. The game started as an internal project called Project Needle Mouse, where I think they basically said, okay, Alex Kidd ain't up to crack. We've got to find something that's going to be him, a mascot that's cool. And they went through a few things. I think one of them was a mouse. I think they had an armadillo that later appeared in an arcade game. And of course, the big thing that they pinned this game on was its attitude when they eventually settled on Sonic, who, for those that I guess don't know, is a blue hedgehog with red and white shoes who runs pretty quickly. And now, if you ever sort of witness one of the uh, animes uh, featuring him, like the little kind of serialised cartoon, you realise actually how obnoxious he is. Like, I can remember it was a long time for me before I actually heard what Sonic sounded like. (laughs) <laughs> so like yeah. you know whilst I might have bought into the whole I might have been seduced by the superior graphics and the speed and you know the the the, the overwhelming mentality in the playground when I was at school was that Sega was superior to Nintendo and Sonic the Hedgehog was the epitome of like the the, the 2D platformer over 
the you know the various kind of Mario Brothers games at that time. Uh, really, now <laughs> I realise it was all just kind of like a lot of um, outspoken boasting with kind of not quite as much substance to back it up. Yeah, which could you could also this segues nicely into the other term along with Sonic's attitude. A lot of the marketing campaign was boasting about blast processing, about how fast the Mega Drive was, and that only the Mega Drive could produce these kind of results. So I wondered, do you guys think blast processing was a real thing or not? Because they leaned on it pretty heavily. I can't even remember that being mentioned. I think I was too young to actually even take notice of the sort of terminology and what have you. For me, Sonic is, or at least was designed as the sort of um, antithesis of Mario, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was designed as Nintendo have Mario, that is their mascot. Sega need a Mar- and you know need their own Mario, and uh, you know, that's how you sort of Sonic came about. But certainly, whenever you come down to it and start actually looking back at it now, the sort of differentiation between um, the SNES and the Mega Drive in reality didn't come down to an awful lot. Um, both consoles had their own bits and pieces that they were better at, mm-hmm. and sort of mentioning things like blast processing and what have you. I'm sure Nintendo and the SNES at the time um, probably had their own. Um, catchy terms and things as well. Well, they had Mode 7, I guess, is the most famous one, yeah. which allowed multiple depths of field to um, scroll at the same time, mm-hmm. which Genesis perhaps didn't have. Um, so, yeah, so I guess you're right. They did argue back and forth. Um, I took a piece from Giant Bomb about blast processing, so I guess I knew about blast processing because aside from the girl next door, my uncle also had a Mega Drive and he was a bit more techy. So he would say to me, oh, because I think I had an Amiga before I had a Mega Drive. Yeah, I had an Amiga as well before the last system. So then I had a bunch of, like, Sonic wannabes that were never quite Sonic, not as quick and stuff. Zool, yeah. Zool, yeah. (laughs) Super Frog, there was a whole bunch of them. Hinky, um, tons, more than we've got time to mention. Um, And he said to me, oh, yeah, the Sega's faster because it's got blast processing. So I looked it up on Giant Bomb because I was curious, was it actually a real thing or not? Apparently, it is assumed to refer to the faster processing speeds of the Genesis. Um, their Rico processor of the SNES was clocked at 3.58 MHz, whereas the CPU processor of the Genesis was clocked at 7.67 MHz. That's a bit how um, Microsoft and Sony are currently arguing about teraflops with their new versions of the PS4 and Xbox. Back then, it was boasting about how many megahertz and how many bits you had. Um, However, the term blast processing was actually a reference to the high-speed DMA controller in Sega's graphics card, which allowed a faster transfer speeds in the SNES along with faster RAM bandwidth. The faster and higher bitrate gave it a few advantages, such as higher resolutions during gameplay and faster scrolling. So I guess that's how Sonic came to be so quick, or became to be like a demo child for this tech that they were boasting about. So... Without further ado, we're going to go through, it's a bit different to some of our other playlists, I guess, where we can talk about story and stuff, there isn't much story. The Chaos Emeralds have been nicked and Dr. Robotnik has hidden some animals, basically, and also enslaved some animals. So some are hidden at the end of each level in these little capsules, but others have been made slaves in weird robotic versions of different animals. Everyone recognises the classic Sega that comes up when you play get a nice little title screen of Sonic wiggling his finger, showing a bit of attitude, hit start and you're straight into the first level, which is the Green Hill Zone. 
his iconic music. Oh, the familiar Green Hill Zone. How many times did I play this? <laughs> exactly. If Even if you've never finished Sonic, you played the Green Hill Zone like a hundred times, for sure. Everyone's played it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. Like in those days, like you were talking about how you could actually um, reveal a level mode or zone selector. Um, whereas I can just remember any time I wanted to play it, having to start at the beginning. I can play yeah. through all of those levels again. I mean, I know actually, I, in hindsight, the level it's not a particularly long game, but the longevity is stretched out because obviously I was so bad at it. <laughs> because I used to, you know, I, I just used to play it for hours and hours on end, and it was always the same levels at the beginning. <laughs> it does start... It's still a hard game, though, Sonic 1, going back to it. You could still easily die on the Green Hill Zone, without a doubt, Oh yeah, I think. Um, there's plenty, it has, along with the trademark loops and turns and twists, it has plenty of dead drops where you can just die, plenty of spike pits, also, but then by the same token, you have people that can finish it in like 30 seconds, which is incredible. Yeah, I I think that's always been the sort of dilemma that I've had, because I can remember before... I, maybe I was just, you know, drawn into the idea that you've got to play it at high speed, and it is all about getting the fastest time with the most rings. But ultimately, really, level design is neither here nor there. You just, you're not really meant to be exploring the levels. You're meant to just get to the end. And I was very much kind of playing it by the seat of my pants and just not wanting to die. Uh, whereas when I went back to it now, as like an adult, I think I, because I'd since been much more familiar with sort of some of Nintendo's 2D platformers. I was trying to play it at a slower pace and I was trying to kind of appreciate some of the nuances of the levels, whereas actually that seems so counterintuitive to the controls and how the game's been designed. I mean, I've seen some brilliant um, playthroughs of people that do seem to be able to get to all of the different aspects of each zone still at speed, mm-hmm. but I, I just found it just doesn't work like that for me. So I, in the end, I reverted back to the tried and tested, just constantly having your finger, you know, on the, you know, on the on the right side of the D-pad to run as fast as you can and just get to the end where, I don't know, I just feel like it's all a bit surface razzmatazz, but there's not real kind of any meat to it. I feel like I'm going to kind of like repeat that, <laughs> repeat that regularly throughout, you know, discussing these games. Um, it's hard not to, though. Going back, like, as an adult. Yeah. yeah, you know, going back whilst that nostalgia is an enormously strong. Um, and I played the first two on the 3D re- releases on the 3DS, you know, like the, the M2 virtual console releases. And they do a lovely thing where you've got different kind of options in the menu that you can fit all around with and one of them it, it replicates the curved screen of like a CTR um, display and the, the the potency of that nostalgia is was so immediate and so strong um, that you kind of even through my frustration going back and playing the game it did really um, take me back to a really important part kind of like my gaming life that very few games or franchises are able to so Although I think it's an ugly duckling actually now, um, I can kind of forgive it in some regard. But I mean, how did you, have you, you've come across this, I imagine before, like there are some people that believe 2D platforms need to be played at speed and whether that's from Sonic forwards or not. But, you know, I can remember hearing people saying that, you know, if you don't play some of the newer Super Mario Brothers games, the 2D platform was, you know, we're going at full pelt, then you're not really playing it right whereas i still think even though to do that to make certain jumps in nintendo's 2d platformers it is much more about exploration i mean of course things like yoshi that's the whole kind of ethos of how they design his particular platformers 
but you know playing a Mario Super Mario World you know I came to that after having played Sonic the Hedgehog and I just think it's such a superior game in that regard because of the level design and the more kind of exploration elements as well as the platforming whereas here there might be some really interesting aspects to certain levels but I mean you haven't got time <laughs> or I didn't feel I had the skill to you know bother to find them I just wanted to get to the end I guess mm. that's the only thing the only certainly with Sonic 1 um, Sonic 3 and stuff is a bit different the only secrets you have is if you want to collect absolutely every single ring in every single level um, mm-hmm. there's no hidden areas or anything there's no hidden exits it is pretty much every level is just left um, from going from left to right in some way form or shape like sometimes you're going up and down I guess but it's still relatively linear so I completely get what you get but um, I, I agree with you there are still people that would I think there's people that would still insist on always running in Mario and beating that as fast as they can I've heard people say always be running like you're always holding down that run button to go quicker but yeah it's not for me you're missing something yeah, yeah, no, no, I can, I totally understand that. I just feel like in some of those, well, but in some of those Mario games, the levels can support that style yeah. of gameplay and allow for exploration. Whereas I feel like in a lot of these levels, although you can kind of, when you make yourself try and look for things, and there are hidden sort of power up boxes that you can break through, kind of what seemingly are solid walls you know you end up being able to jump into them don't yeah. you in Sonic and you can kind of get them that way and um, it always felt really counterintuitive to me like I, I, it was really apparent every time I kind of like was going left somehow it, there was like a disconnect between the, the controls and the level design mm-hmm. I guess which I, which I think is much more apparent to me now um, than possibly it was then yeah because yeah. you just I just didn't know any different you know all I thought again was looking at the minimal experience I had with the first three Mario Brothers games I just thought Sonic looked so much better like even on kind of Master System you were talking about the differences between Mega Drive and SNES there was very little argument even from people that had NES like had the Nintendo Entertainment System that the the Master System seemed to be superior in terms of graphics Mm -hmm. um and it just felt like a lot more kind of like modern to me. So I, I think that I just was massively <laughs> blindfolded like by the marketing or by like the, the superior graphics at the time. Yeah, not only the graphics actually. Something that I forgot was in Sonic 1 is a lot of the um, touches. Like how, Mar- how Sonic's almost like 3D at times. Like when you get flipped up by a fan, he kind of spins and the bits where he holds on to mm. things. And you're getting... It's not just a play like Mario. You only ever used to see him on the two planes running, jumping. Whereas Sonic, there was more of a belief that he would move around and got pushed around and things. Yeah, and there certainly seems to be a bit more vitality and yeah. vibrancy to the game. Like the color, um, again, it's it's harder to make the distinction between the Mega Drive and the SNES because they're on a much more even playing field. But yeah, looking at the Sonic games on the Master System, they just look so much more colorful. Yeah than the, the original Mario Brothers trilogy. Yeah. Uh, does anyone else have anything to say about the Green Hill Zone before we move on to the boss of the Green Hill Zone? Oh, I was just going to quickly mention that for me, the Green Hill Zone sort of stands as the quintessential advertisement for Sonic yeah. and the Mega Drive in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. in reality, they completely knocked it out of the park on those first three levels. Just the way they play and the way they look. Yeah. You sort of sit down to it now and just the graphics and what have you are just so crisp and so wonderfully detailed. We'll get on to the other ones as we uh, start discussing those as well, but I would say Sonic 1's graphically holds up really, really well. 
and it's just so nice to look at. The level design, there is, yeah, you can take that little bit of time to go exploring and sort of, you know, go for the maximum rings and things, but yeah, just whipping through them in sort of 30 seconds or whatever on a level um, can be done as well. You know, it's kind of nice to an extent that there is that option, certainly within those first three levels. Uh, the other ones kind of slow you down a little bit as you go along. Um, in each of the Sonics, but they feel like like real um, jerky humps in the mm, road. Yeah. Like they again, it now it feels like major skipped gears. It doesn't feel like a smooth transition. It, it feels like clunky level design married to the controls. It's hard yeah. to argue that. Yeah. One of the things, even in within the Green Hill Zone, that I think keeps up coming up time and time again in sort of the three um, Sonic games is the fact that. Whenever you, the games are almost feel as if they're designed to make you fail, in that you're always going so fast that you're running straight into spikes, or you're going to miss a spring which will send you flying back into spikes, or there's a little enemy that you will suddenly pop out at you. Yeah, or fire at you. Like, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's a cliched thing now that um, sort of every game that comes out is compared to Dark Souls. In that people say, you know, Dark Souls is a fairly easy game, providing you, you know, take your time at it, and um, whenever you die, it's your own fault. Whereas in Sonic, it does feel as if it's been designed to make it as hard as possible um, by throwing the unexpected at you. Yes, that that's it's like learning the levels by yeah. rote, and that's such a familiar sort of gameplay experience. I think from the eight bit and sixteen bit era, the, the yeah. idea that you have to, it's just only through repetition. And the games almost become rhythm-based mm-hmm. games because you're learning um, almost by f- feel, I guess, you know, just what's going to happen and when. But it's just through hours and hours and hours of slog. So thank God uh, <laughs> they've introduced, like, save states on the 3DS uh, d- d- versions of these games. And I think there might be save states on Steam as well. And, of course, if you plan it via emulation, I think you can do you save do, states. Yeah. yeah, so that that made it such a much more... Um, far less frustrating experience mm-hmm. <laughs> this time around. Yeah, because some of those little bits where you know something pops out at you just does feel so unfair at the time, um, especially whenever you're sort of trying to build up the extra lives and things like that, uh, or you know you've got your 50 rings and you're heading towards the end of the level, and something will just pop out at you um, to make you lose them, and you'll maybe get claw back maybe five or so of them by the time you reach the end of the level, and therefore you've missed out on the special stage. Yeah. It's, it's very annoying. Yeah. And especially, I guess we can talk about the Chaos Emerald thing now, I guess. So, um, you get through that ring, and if you've got 50 rings at the end of each stage, and you do a bonus stage to get a Chaos Emerald, and I guess what makes that frustrating is there's only a finite amount of chances you have to get Chaos Emeralds, effectively, judged by the number of levels there mm-hmm. are. So if you don't get that number of rings and activate the Chaos Emerald stages, you can kind of miss out and not get the best ending of the game, so it does certainly get frustrating. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, when you first do those kind of special stages, there you're far from guaranteed of even completing no, them properly, so you might unlock them. them. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah, but I can always uh, remember finding music <laughs> somehow hypnotic, but um, yeah, the, the one thing I was going to say, you were talking about the kind of graphics again and how they ha- hold up and how impressive they were at the time. Another little wrinkle that they add to the 3DS virtual console releases are you can play the original Japanese version of the game um, and from my understanding there is only kind of very little difference between the two but one of them is that the actual background animations move in the Japanese version oh. so like that's 
kind of like how I played these games this time and I obviously can't actually remember uh, whether that was the case back in the day but um, yeah it seems to be that the Japanese version is sort of superior in the sense Mm. that yeah it had more because you were saying about the detail and the depth of field and that but also it had kind of like moving backgrounds and all of those things now of course we take for granted but back then it was just amazing you know just the sense that there was depth of field in the game which was kind of incredible I have a funny feeling that the Japanese um, option and possibly one of the American options are available on the GameCube Mega Collection uh, that I was playing the trilogy on. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any graphical difference between the um, the international version. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there'll be a difference between PAL and SCART and things like that, but the the essentially the international version that we would have got in Europe and America is is, is largely mm-hmm. the same. It's only, mm-hmm. it's only the Japanese one that I think had those. Moving backgrounds for some reason. I, I have no idea why. No, very strange. But certainly the um, bonus levels on Sonic are so completely different to the ordinary levels. And just at a quick count yeah. there, I think there's maybe a total of maybe 10 okay. chances yeah. um, of actually getting the seven Chaos Emeralds. So yeah, each time you don't make it to the end of a level um, with 50 rings, um, you really are wasting an opportunity. Yeah. And uh, only having sort of the ten, ch- or ten chances to get the seven rings is uh, frustrating. For those who haven't played it, the levels themselves are like an auto-rotating, almost like a, not quite a pinball table, but they feel that way because oh, of the bumpers, bumpers and yeah. the stars and things like that. Yeah. And each of the levels is com- designed completely differently, um, with certain sort of sections within them, and there are little sort of areas where you can fall down and that will um, sort of immediately kick you out of the bonus level. So the main goal is to try and make it to the centre of the level and sort of make a um, diamonds, which are usually surrounding the Chaos Emerald, disappear by touching them. And many of the diamonds take maybe, you know, three or four um, touches before they'll actually disappear. And with row on row and with the level constantly rotating, it can be very frustrating to try and stay on top of those. Yeah, I mean, it epitomises ultimately my experience of playing Sonic, that you're constantly wrestling with the controls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah p- particu- particularly in those bonus areas and hitting the buttons that'll maybe change the rotation from clockwise to anti-clockwise yes, yeah. and hitting hitting the bumpers, which sometimes seem to send you off in a completely random yeah. direction um, that you're really not sure about. It's It can be very frustrating and it really does make those bonus levels feel a lot more like luck if you get the Chaos Emerald as opposed to skill, um, which is disappointing from a design perspective. I know that we've, um, we're going to have some feedback later on, actually, that does raise the f- fact that um, the versions of Sonic the Hedgehog and uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, for example, on Master System and Game Gear were actually different. You know, they were actually mm-hmm. changed, although they, you know, they are similar uh, and they were still just called Sonic the Hedgehog. The fact is that they, they kind of had to adapt the games and the level design for those systems mm-hmm. and the way that the kind of chaos and rules are hidden within the level to be found um, on the master system I think it's is just one example of how actually although you might not expect it to be the 8-bit versions you could argue in some regards are superior to, to the you know the Mega Drive version heresy <laughs> 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 okay so after zooming through Three levels of the Green Hill Zone, you are presented with the first boss. Every boss in the first Sonic, except for the last, is Dr. Robotnik, piloting different versions of his Eggmobile, I think is what that thing is called. 
So in the first level, he is hovering at the top of the screen, swinging a wrecking ball back and forth. Um, so not the most frustrating boss battle to start with. I'm hoping neither of you found that one tricky. No, I found it incredibly viral. Again, I maybe I was impressed back in the day playing it, but I must say, I, I thought the boss, you know, very much like almost like the level design, the bosses in this game are really lackluster. And that was mm. just the first of many really dull boss encounters. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the same, basically. Yeah. Uh, I think the only one that kind of like really stood out to me in this one is the at the end of the labyrinth zone. Is that where you've got kind of chase... You know, because you're in water, so you're having to yeah. is, almost yeah. chase, chase him through him, yeah. the end of the level to even get the opportunity to hit him. Um, that one lives long in the memory just because it was so bloody difficult. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the rest of them, no, I thought they were kind of like uninspired. But again, maybe I'm judging it too harshly <laughs> from 2016. Um, no, I think that's fair. I d- no, certainly the um, that first boss level is... Even back in the day, I sort of vaguely remember I might have sort of failed maybe the first couple of times at it, but after that it does become fairly easy and certainly playing it again now, it's actually over quite yeah. quickly because you just get into the rhythm of it, of bouncing up onto the extra platforms, hitting him, running over to the other side before the wrecking ball swings that way, you know, hitting him again and just um, rinse and repeat. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that again, that's like one of the kind of comparisons versus Mario or you know Nintendo by and large that often their boss fights will be you know finding the pattern and overcoming it and maybe hitting the boss three times so you could technically say well surely that's simpler and it's over quicker because you're only hitting them three times whereas mm. I think uh, Dr. Eggman or Dr. Robotnik takes a lot more hits but it doesn't feel like that to me like they, they still felt more by rote, more monotonous regardless of how many kind of extra hit points he had. It didn't make them harder if mm. that makes any sense. No, that's a fair comment. I feel like I'm supposed to be the one that's defending them here, but I can't. <laughs> that's completely fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will move on to the marble zone, I guess, uh, which is the second level, which is a, I guess, fire, like, temple orientated level. I absolutely hate this level. I feel like after the highs of the Green Hill Zone comes as something of a disappointment. This is definitely a level that deliberately slows you down. Like, you will run and if you keep running, you will run into a wall. It's got really tight claustrophobic corridors. It's got blind drops into lava. It's got bits where you push blocks. It's just not a fun level. Um, how do you guys feel about this? Oh, iconic though, isn't it? I guess it? so, I mean, again, yeah. another, another really iconic level um, with great music from what yeah. I can remember. I mean, again, I really did like the music, um, you know, to, to a lot of the Sonic games. And, and again, that's a, a, another thing that I think I was impressed by when I finally did get, you know, a Mega Drive that, that, that the game sounded like far better. Although, bizarrely, well, didn't they release like an, a, a Genesis 2 and the sound chip was like notably worse? So, uh, yeah, I think it was cheaper. To, so it's almost like, in a, in a bizarre sense, yeah, it's like... Um, the PS4 having an inferior Blu-ray player to the PS3 is kind of like, why? But like you're saying, it's obviously to still uh, get sales, but manufacture, you know, bring the manufacturing costs down. Um, mm. But no, yeah, the, the, again, like the, although you're right, it's a frustrating level. I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that you had a little bit more to do. You know, like you're saying that you use the blocks and you have to, of course, balance on them. And it really reminded me again, like I really couldn't have fondly remember the animations you know if you get too close to the edge the way he kind of like dangles on one toe and things like that yeah no 
I, I kind of enjoyed those aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just going back to what you said, the iconic thing, I guess um, there used to be an advert with Sega It Takes Ages or something, and it was from this level where it was one of the iconic shots of one of the blocks being pushed up by the lava, which again, kind of an impressive <laughs> yeah. effect, like the lava's like all well lit and stuff. It's a nice contrast in colour to the background as well um, for the lava, and despite using obviously a repeated template, it doesn't look too bad. Um, certainly in this level anyway. It's quite um, narrow, yeah. You don't notice yeah, much. Uh, the repeating of assets um, it sort of continues through the other games, and uh, but doesn't look quite as nice um, compared to this. For me, the Marble Zone, it uh, carries on the attention of detail, um, sort of in the look of Sonic and just um, the way everything feels, you know, from the Green Hill Zone, but it really does slow the gameplay down. And uh, it also starts the odd design decision, uh, which seems to pepper all the Sonic games, of using a, me- um, a specific mechanic for one set of levels, <laughs> and then never reusing it. Um, so, for example, in this one, it's the ability to push blocks, uh, which I think you push a block onto your switch once, and you push a block into the lava maybe two or three times, and you never do that again throughout uh, the rest of the game. And things like that just seem odd from a design perspective yeah normally you'd think they'd layer them on there because yeah. you're going to be using them again you know they might introduce a new mechanic per zone but that's ultimately because later on it will all come together and you have to you know utilize all of them i guess in the, you know in, in later levels but you're right it kind of just comes and goes it's weird because you're right it is i guess it's one of those slower levels and i can remember that a lot of the criticism or the kind of levels that seem to be people's least favourite are the ones that slow you down. And I think it does tie into that idea again that really Sonic only kind of gives the illusion of playing well when you're doing it at breakneck pace. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as you kind of want, to get, you do get the urge to kind of want to slow down because there might be some interesting things to do in the level. You just, you just fight in the controls to yeah. be able to do that. Well, it looks like you're stuttering through the level, like stop, start, go, yes, start yeah, thing, which yeah. doesn't, it's not appeasing on the eye, I guess. And also, there's always the you know the threat that the slower you go, you're gonna get hit and lose the ring. Yeah. Whereas you know if you're if you're in and out quick, you know you just manage to hang on to whatever you had left. Yeah. And moment- if losing momentum can almost be as bad, especially with some of the enemies, I guess we haven't really touched on many of the enemies, but some that shoot things or like pop up mm-hmm. and stuff. Really irritating. Yeah, if you're yeah. not going fast <laughs> and you get stuck behind one of them, some of them can the timing wise can be very hard because I think a lot of them are there to be seen and hit or seen and run past not seen and like looked at for any amount of time and studied yeah. so you often yeah, get stuck they're in like their obstacles pattern. aren't yeah. they yeah you're right they're, they're like another excuse to um, either duck or spin past or jump yeah. over they're not it's not like you have to kill every enemy sometimes just kind of avoiding them yeah. you know it actually saves time yeah uh, at the end of weaving your way through the molten maze of the marble zone you fight Dr. Robotnik again in the Eggmobile and this time he's dropping flames from a chute on his underside, and the flames will set the platforms on fire. I think, again, another frustrating boss, if I'm honest. It is, yeah. It's Again, it's just bouncing back from one side of the screen yeah. to the other and hoping to hit him um, on the way there. Um, it actually just reminded me that the, I think the build-up into this le- end-level boss was another couple of sort of nearly blind jumps yes. to, from one side of the screen to the other where it was very easy to accidentally fall into the lava because you've t- misjudged it and therefore losing the rings just before you yeah, go into the boss can't fight. can't see where you're jumping at all, you're right. Yeah, but again, once you learn the pattern, it's over very quickly. Mm-hmm. Agreed. After the marble zone, 
Um, another personal favourite of mine is the Spring Yard Zone. Um, this introduces things such as springs and bumpers, which became mainstays, I guess, in the series, as far as it can be. They're definitely repeated in Sonic 2 and 3 as we go forward. Yeah. A slightly faster level, but again, one wrought with frustration, because both <laughs> the bumpers, like the circular bumpers and stuff, just will bounce you anywhere they decide they want to send you. <laughs> I've There's some later on in Sonic 3 that are very frustrating and I've spent time looking at them to try and figure out if your speed does dictate the way you bounce and you can approach them at the exact same way and it feels like you bounce off at a different trajectory Um, Mm. I'm sure maybe if people were doing it frame perfect it perhaps would be the same every time but to me feels like it's just all over the place but doesn't take detract from the fun of this level for me yeah no I I would agree in the sense that there is again it's like one of the opportunities that the game impresses to a newcomer when you're young the idea that you're getting bounced around like a pinball and then you obviously go into like the ball and you're able to kind of run down one side of the level and then you shoot up you know like you get the momentum and you kind of like fly upwards and it it kind of almost gives you like this element of freedom and and um you feel like you're doing incredible things in the level you know like the way you fly from one moment to the next and you can you know, you're able to get up to different parts of the level because of the speed and the momentum that you've got. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's when Sonic's probably at its best, when you're utilising the kind of speed and the way that you can kind of run up walls or you can kind of fly off um, jumps. Yeah. Oh, certainly for me. Um, yeah, the Spring Yard Zone is a lot of fun, but there's an awful lot of waiting around for a moving platform to appear. <laughs> yeah. Or just standing on a moving platform while it takes you to <laughs> where you need to go. It's good fun and it does sort of fit the design aesthetic of Sonic well, sort of, um, with the speed and what have you. But I think in this level particularly the speed is deceptive because in reality it's very easy to get stuck in an area. Yeah. You mean like when you're getting bounced around as if you're the pinball, yeah. Yeah. It, lo- it looks as if you're moving very fast but you're not moving very far. No, you're just going up. You know, yeah. it adds the kind of vert- verticality to it, yeah. Yeah. Certainly with the sort of getting into the idea of the sort of pinball aesthetic and what have you, it does make me wonder if the Spring Yard Zone was ever sort of a possible genesis um, for the idea that eventually turned into Sonic Spinball. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, I mean, because they obviously did return to this idea of the kind of bouncy pinball aesthetic in other levels, yeah. Yeah, there's at least sort of one of these type of levels in each of the the three games, and uh, then sort of Sonic Spinball sort of goes on further to actually make it a proper almost pinball game. Um, within that sure um, after bouncing around you end up again Dr. Robotnik in his little eggmobile and this time he's using a spike to attack Sonic uh, there's one row of blocks along the bottom and the yes. spike is dunking down and destroying the blocks as you go um, I think this one can be pretty frustrating <laughs> if you don't quite get your jumping down before you know it you can be left with no blocks left to stand on <laughs> Yeah, no, this is a very frustrating one. Um, I remember this one back in the day, and yeah, if he started lifting the wrong blocks, it was very easy to jump straight into a hole whenever you're trying to avoid him or bouncing off him. In this case, you actually suddenly realise that you can actually get more than one hit on Dr. Robotnik whenever he is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, it can make this boss fight go even quicker than the other ones because it's not just necessarily a memory thing of... You know, working out what pattern he's doing because in reality you can get him to attack whatever block you're standing on 
deliberately yeah. and uh, sort of guide him and uh, go for the attack once he is vulnerable. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I guess we've also got to remember that this is back in the day when we'd have first been playing it. You'd have had to, you know, when you first encountered that boss and you didn't know the pattern, you would die. And more often than not, you'd have to start the whole game from the beginning. So yeah. it was harder to retain the knowledge of how to beat the bosses because you, it wasn't like you could just go straight back in and fight the same boss infinitum like you can do like with a save state and I mean that that makes mm. it so much easier to kind of like recall that information because obviously if you let's say you lose to one of the bosses later on and it's game over you've got to then go back through all of the bosses that you've already fought um, mm. and it kind of gets a bit more muddled and again it's only through sheer persistence that you can kind of memorize um, those things but I think yeah you playing with save states of course makes the game far easier and quicker and I, and I guess that really does hurt the um, longevity of the kind of boss bosses, and I think it adds to them this sensation I've got that they've lost a lot of their kind of muster in the intervening years. Yeah, because in reality, I think I spent um, maybe two, maybe a little over two hours, I think, as a run through of the game in yeah. total. Um, so certainly, you know, that is. Um, sort of what's regarded as sort of the the time debate. It is really only a two hour game. Whereas obviously it lasted like two years or more back <laughs> in the day. Yeah, you know, and that's playing it solidly for like you know every day for two months. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so certainly you know the save states and what have you possibly make it easier to jump straight back into a more frustrating part that you have been losing lives on. Because that's the thing. Because you'd you'd in the end you'd like if you hadn't already smashed the controller. You would like, you know, having left the console on overnight so you could like replay that level after school um, or, you know, whatever. The thing is, you'd be less inclined, like you'd really give it a good go. But if you fail, it'd be then like weeks or a month before you'd even pick it up again. So, of course, Mm -hmm. that extends the life of the game. Um, But, you know, I think I and I'm admittedly terrible at Sonic and always have been. I think I completed it in under four hours which is just like a miracle <laughs> compared to where it used to take me <laughs> following on from that level we have the labyrinth zone first one that has water which becomes a reoccurring not like we talked about spring yard maybe the bumpers are quite a nice reoccurring feature the inclusion of water is not a welcome feature in sonic games <laughs> at all um, again it's one of those mechanics that goes completely against everything you want to see in a Sonic game. It takes the speed away and also brings a really annoying addition of um, Sonic can only breathe underwater for so long. <laughs> when he runs mm. out of breath, he dies gulping for dear life. Um, I know, that's the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the, the adrenaline, yeah, the, of the, the, the soundtrack <laughs> and the, the <laughs> sheer fear of drowning. Uh, I can remember that vividly. But despite that, I, I really enjoyed that level. And I, I really, it was one of the ones that was more familiar to me going back and playing it. Because, you know, I haven't played these games for, you know, we're talking how old are they now? You know, I, it, was it this came out in 91 or something? So, mm, yeah. you know, that's. It's almost too much, too many years ago for my tired brain to work out the maths, but it's been a long, <laughs> long time. Uh, but no, I, I really actually enjoyed playing these again, and I think it's because I obviously want to play them counterintuitively. I like the levels that I want. I'd like to play it at a slower speed. So the fact that you're underwater and you're kind of forced to, um, I enjoyed that kind of change of pace. But apart from, of course, the horrendous end 
because I mean, I suppose you've already said, isn't it? Like you get you there are the levels, of, the zones, sorry, are separated into three acts, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's the final act that you you meet the boss on. Um, and this one, yeah, because it marries it all together, where you are having to navigate underwater passages, still have air, avoid enemies, but also keep up enough speed to, to chase the yeah, boss down. Yeah. You know that that took so many retries yeah. uh, back in the day. Yes. Certainly, the uh, for me, the Labyrinth Zone, they're very cleverly designed, but they're very frustratingly designed because it's very obvious that the air pockets that you need uh, to stay alive whenever you're underwater are very deliberately um, sort of distanced yeah. from each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that getting to the next one really is a... You know, a, a sort of a knife edge. Um, well, it is multiple attempts. I mean, I imagine you know, there's oh, yeah. certain, there's certain. Um, you get to a certain point in the, in a lot of the Sonic games, and it really is like you're going to have to just replay this same section over and over and over again, yeah. um, because it's like you need to just have like a perfect run to be able to survive it and, and, and get to the end. And of course, that in itself, that's what extends. You know, that's what a lot of these games from that era were like. They were actually quite short in terms of content, but they were able to last you months and months and months. And thank God they did, because obviously games were a lot more expensive then, and it was, you know, you eking out your pocket money. Um, but they made you get your money's worth through sheer um, attrition. You know, like you mm-hmm. had to just yeah. constantly play the same bit over and over again until you just happened to get it. But again, the sense of achievement was that much the greater. Um, you know, this is like one of the parts of the game where I gen, you know, when you do finish this one, I think you really feel like, you know, you've played well or you've 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 succeeded. There's a real kind of measure of progress. Whereas, like we said before, some of the other bosses, you know, you're kind of almost thinking, is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly the uh, the use of water in this level is definitely designed to slow you down, and it's not just the slowing you down of running, but also slowing you down from actually changing direction and things as well um you do seem to keep up a little bit more momentum Mm -hmm. um going one way before it then allows you to change direction so certainly running into enemies and things is a lot more likely in this level and even sort of um sneaky little platforms and things that either drop down or raise up um, very obviously into spike yeah i was thinking there's one isn't there there's a couple there's one where you press a switch isn't there you jump on it and then it just takes you literally straight up to a spike yeah yeah very frustrating Mm -hmm. and again it's that whole kind of combination of like avoiding projectiles that might be fired from an enemy but then also timing your jump to not jump into the spike that's coming out of a, yep. a block yeah. um, so I guess you know again it's where some of the power-ups I don't know if we've kind of mentioned them you know you get a few kind of power-ups that you can use of course there's the the iconic red sneakers that make you run faster but um, on other levels but there's mm, also true. the what is it like a sphere, isn't it? So you kind of get there is a yeah, it's like a one hit yeah, um, globe, yeah, shield as such, yeah, protection bubble, yeah, and then the other one, of course, is the kind of invulnerability where you get that nice kind of shimmering sort of star effect that kind of mm-hmm. cascades behind you, and that is kind of like a lifesaver, but sadly doesn't last very long. Well, in some of the areas, you get a, uh, one of the invincibility blocks and. 
you then spend the next, you know, the, the life of the invincibility um, very simply just jumping over blocks and you're sure thinking to yourself, what's the use in this? <laughs> <laughs> it's so frustrating. I can go fast, I can run really quickly, I can run through anything, and yet all I'm doing is just jumping over blocks <laughs> where I'm not even being attacked by. And you can still get squished um, while you're invincible as well. Uh, which is the other frustrating thing. Oh, of thing. course, yeah. No, that is really, really frustrating when you're you're right, there's those areas there where you're navigating kind of like moving blocks and, yeah, you can get squashed. Oh, that, and it, again, the animation is so vivid, you know, right where he kind of mm-hmm. jumps out of the screen. <laughs> yeah, crush. <laughs> um, there's a couple of other uh, mainstains that get added in this level, I guess. In uh, Act 3, there is the like never-ending cascading waterfalls of water. Yes. Where you can just keep going round and round and round until you hit a switch. Um, and then the other is the kind of... I talked about it before when I was talking about the animation. The uh, side-scrolling being pushed through waters and grabbing onto something until they break. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, I really like the animation effect on it the way Sonic kind of spins as if he's out of control yeah and then and grabs onto the poles and things whenever they're there yeah. Onto the poles. yeah yeah which is a really nice effect um, a couple of so it's not all bad I guess <laughs> no I like it one of my favourite ones <laughs> so this boss is a bit different uh, we've already briefly touched on it before the Eggmobile doesn't have any weird contraptions added to it and you are chasing Robotnik through um, a labyrinth with rising water. You don't actually have to kill Dr. Robotnik in this stage. You can just run past him and hit the little box at the end to free the little animals and your jobs are good and, um, and then he'll just saunter off, presumably, ready to fight again. Um, anybody have any tricky parts with that water stage? A lot of it, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. No, that's, as we've said, ad infinitum, it was incredibly difficult to navigate all the obstacles and not run out of oxygen uh, in order to catch up with it. Mm. That might be one where I was more rote and learnt that pattern kind yeah. of because I can get to the top without the water really being an issue. Yeah. I must have learnt it I guess. Yeah no there's there's some of those jumps that either take just a little half jump almost and uh, to yes. make it otherwise if you if you do a full jump then yeah that is really going to slow you down because you're missing the ledge that you need to land yeah. on. Um, I think this is also one of the ones where you hit a checkpoint just before the chase starts and I don't think there's any rings or there might be just no. three. I don't think there's any. No, I don't think there's any, yeah. No, I think you're right actually. I think it, I think you are relying, because again I'm not entirely sure whether he explicitly said that, but no, ultimately the rings in the game, although you're collecting them and you do get extra lives... Um, you know, they are ultimately a, a form of protection in that you can't die unless you're squashed. Um, if you're carrying rings and you kind of lose them every time, you're, you're yeah, it's like a a one hit um, sort of failsafe almost. Yeah. And um, with the possibility of then collecting the rings as they um, sort of are scattered from you, um, to stay safe. But yeah, going into this, yeah, I don't think there is any um, rings after that final checkpoint, uh, which just makes the chase very frustrating, or even more frustrating. Um, if you don't do it first time. And uh, I did notice that you can get a couple of sneaky hits on Dr. Robotnik, but again, it's never going to be enough to get the eight hits that it usually does take. Wow. And it's not needed, which is good. Um, so next up, you go to the uh, Starlight Zone, which I guess is kind of like Total a... Total opposite like in- <laughs> of the one yeah, like before an, it. Yeah, so yeah it's like an industrialised 
space station or something. It's really weird. It's got lamp, like futuristic lampposts and stuff. A very green palette with like a cityscape. Loads of springs, isn't it? Like to send you like a lot faster, and you need speed to kind of go up ramps to navigate around. It, and it feels, I guess, actually, a similarity would be that some of the under ground levels or the underwater levels feel quite expansive yeah i would say even though you're at speed in starlight zone it feels like one of the more intricate yeah. kind of map areas um, kind of um it builds on a lot of the things we've seen before like it adds new versions of the loops that are like half loops and stuff or loops that start with a spring right there ones that cut off and take you on um like loop round to another loop kind of thing all things yeah and isn't this the and there's like rising the there's rising um platforms in this one as well isn't there yeah there's that and there's the fans um that sort of stop your progress as well yes that's right yeah, yeah. i was going to say that and the seesaws yeah, and the seesaws i was actually going to say that to an extent the starlight zone actually feels like the sort of plainest designed level in the game um oh, just okay. because well i think it's more just because the um the detail on the sort of foreground um, of the platforms and things that you're running on is just like a, an army green. There's no real detail in that. And even in the background, um, it's just a mostly black background. That's true. Yeah, actually, a lot you, in a lot of the levels, your eye is drawn to the background detail, whereas you're right, this seems to be much more um, all foreground, even though you're saying it's somewhat kind of un, uninspiring. I mean, like the whole kind of depth of field effect of some of the panels... Um, is much more in the foreground in this particular one. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's definitely a much different um, change of pace from the Labyrinth Zone or even, say, Spring Yard and what have you. Um, although you say, you know, that you can go a little bit faster in this, it's still... there doesn't feel as if there's as many enemies. It's almost lulling you into a slightly false sense of security. I think it might just be that you've got to kind of... There, again, this kind of vertical gameplay is coming in more to the fore where you're trying to avoid a lot of drops, aren't you? So you're trying to actually take the higher ground. And yeah. I don't know, it, it seemed to me at this level that, that it gave me the impression um, that there was like more than one way to do it. You know, this is one of, the, one of the only levels or one of the rare occasions where I felt like there was different ways to get to the end. Yeah, no, I think you're right there. I think there is. Um, yeah, you can go either up or down. Um, at a couple of points and I think yeah some of those will be a little bit easier than choosing the other route um, so it's but you don't know which way is going to be the easier way yeah and trial and error again but I, I guess again this was just one of the ones that really kind of maybe stood out to me I mean I, I'm sure Adam will come in and tell us a bit more about the, the boss fight but this was one of the boss fights I did <laughs> did actually enjoy uh, for, that made a change <laughs> oh, oh wow <laughs> It's a bit weird because it's one of the ones I hate. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll let you describe it because obviously it uses one of the mechanics that we've seen yeah. in that level. So um, the Eggmobile comes along and this time it's dropping spiked bombs onto the seesaws that we've seen earlier in the levels. Sonic has to like, use the seesaws to bounce the bombs back up at Robotnik until you get enough hits on him. Or if you want to, you can let the bombs miss him and kind of go back onto the spring yeah, yeah. to spring Sonic up and you can hit him yeah. that way. The reason I hate this level is I just couldn't get the timing down. <laughs> I always found I was either leaving the bombs too long and they were just exploding and killing me or I was just looping him up in the air and he was already on the other side of the screen dropping one on another one. Yeah, I mean, that that's true, but I feel like this is one of the boss fights where 
you can kind of survive for longer. Like, I don't feel like you're always in danger of yeah. getting hit. So, although you might miss time the jumps on occasion, I, I don't know, it just felt like less rushed and less frenzied. It felt like, you know, I knew I was going to succeed in, in the end. It was just about, you know, making sure I avoided the obstacles for enough time to be able to land, yeah. land my hits. Whereas some of the others feel like, you know, you, you get sort of little chance to recover I guess if you if you mistime it yeah because a lot of um, other bosses the rings will be gone because they'll fall down a pit or mm. something this one you can run all over the shop and get your rings back kind of so yeah for sure uh, Stuart what did you think of this boss it's a clever boss um so it's just because you do have to try and work out the timings of the seesaws and things and it's definitely easier once you realise that it's easier to hit him with bombs that he's dropped previously and is moving back from one side of the screen towards as opposed to the bomb that he's just dropped which won't because he's actually mm-hmm. moving away from that one so he won't um, be able to hit him with the seesaw on that one. As Lee says, it's, you can take a little bit more time on it but as you say as well, it can be frustrating just trying to get the timings right um, on launching the bombs. It's almost one you can overthink. Start thinking, well, if I wait here and he drops it here, this trajectory will do this and this, and I'll be all yep. right. Really, perhaps don't need that much. <laughs> <laughs> so, following on from that, we go to the final proper level, which is the Scrap Brain Zone, and this has one of the single most annoying starts to any Sonic level ever. <laughs> It's the red platforms that open as you jump. Yes. <laughs> so depending on how you play, if you just run, you're absolutely fine. You'll go flying over them. But if you take a, like, to do a run and a good jump to get some cool momentum going and look hip like Sonic should be, you go flat down, <laughs> straight into the pit. Then you think, okay, well, I'll just run this time and then I'll do the jump. There's a second one there <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> I used to. This is one thing I should share as well. I used to know the names of all these enemies. I know the names of. None <laughs> I was of them I'm now. impressed because I've, again, one of the criticisms of the game going back is that like, I feel like they've got no character. Like they, 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 I know yeah, the story is minimal. So of enemies. course, like that's very yeah. much in keeping with you know like the Mario. Uh, you know, it's always the same yeah. story in them. But mm. I feel for some reason I feel like the the kind of Goombas or the Koopa Troopers or the. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like the Kameks. I don't know. They just somehow have got somewhat more got character, character, whereas these are just yeah. so kind of generic. And even when yeah. you free the animals at the end, I don't know. I just I just found them so kind of like bland and forgettable. Yeah, I can't remember where I know the names from. I seem to remember having a magazine or something <laughs> that had the names of the enemies in. So whether I used to get there was a Sonic the Hedgehog comic. So whether it was that I used to get or whether it was just a Sega magazine. Like review magazine. I'm not really sure. And and this is the one that has like fire, doesn't it? Sometimes like sprayed. There's fire and electricity. Sometimes sprayed. And also there's like a rotate rot, uh, rotating like um, buzzsaw blade, isn't there? That you have to avoid. Yes, on a, some of the conveyor belts and things, there's the um, buzzsaw blades that you have either to try and the conveyor will try and pull you towards it That's or it. sort of yeah pull you away from it, but yet you're trying to run towards it to then get under it as it's moving up and down. Uh, yes, <laughs> annoying. <laughs> but no, it's, it's pretty kind of cool level where you get to shoot around in those kind of jets as well. Like I mean, not aircraft. I mean, like they they seem to be sort of like they they're used almost like a teleports for you but you kind of get sucked up don't you and you go through like uh, a pipe and it kind of takes you on a different level again it makes you feel like the, the level's got a lot more kind of expanse than it really has because essentially you are still going left to right 
Yeah, they remind me of the old sort of money tubes um, that sort of a lot of shops and things would have used. Money and stuff would have been put into a, a canister and then it would have been compressed air that then shot the tubes up to their um, sort of counting department and things like that. Oh, yes, so it's, yes. V- it's very similar to that. And we get water, don't we? This is like the return yes. of water when you get to kind of like Act 3. So Act 3 is kind of a different so it's been again a bit more of an industrialized level until this point and in act three you kind of get dumped down into like a like a temple kind of and more water it's very similar to uh, stages we've had previously labyrinth stage yep a lot of design things are the same there's spikes coming out of the walls even the blocks look very similar just that they're gray instead of brown i guess yeah it does feel like a very odd design decision to do that yeah I've often wondered if they just wanted to put a third act in to make it longer again. Mm, possibly. Because, like, you don't... This is another weird thing about Scrap Brain Zone, is there's no boss. Mm. Um, stage three ends with you jumping on a whole bunch of springs and getting sprung up to what's known as the final zone. Um, so it just makes me wonder that they just shoehorn another levelling, so we're like, oh, we need a third act for Scrap Brain. Yeah, I guess also that very distinctive punctuation between the end of Scrap Brain Zone and then like the final boss battle I guess it, it kind of gives it a bit more sense of importance yeah you can see that because otherwise it would just feel like another boss maybe or something yeah it's actually just occurred to me that um, as you sort of work your way through the levels they do start getting a little bit sort of more industrialised and in reality you know yeah. that's the sort of the process because Dr. Robotnik obviously has been turning all the animals in the sort of environment and what have you yeah. into the sort of me- mechanised um design sort of aesthetic but yet to then throw that last um, area of the scrap brain zone that really does feel like a sort of a repeat of labyrinth does feel very strange um, from a design perspective so unless maybe you've hit it on there maybe it's something like it's showing how he's ruining the world because now we're in like this grey rundown maybe the grey is meant to be like a rundown version of the labyrinth zone or something maybe meant to be showing how his industrialisation has taken root we could be putting way too much meaning on this. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, he's laid waste to natural wonders because obviously yeah. the Labyrinth Zone has a f- kind of an Egyptian or kind yeah. of Aztec feel to it. And now we've got what is much more kind of mechanical and sort of steampunky and man-made rather yeah. than... Uh, although, of course, the pyramids were man-made. But I mean, like, you know, they're kind of ancient wonders, whereas now it's like the modern wonder of yeah. technology. So yes, we've got to get him. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, got, him to and, get him. got to get him and save those characterless animals. Save those <laughs> little chickens and stuff. And how are we going to do that? Is by going to the final zone, <laughs> which to me is the... So this is a level that I actually saw when I went around to the girl next door. And I didn't quite get it then, and I still don't quite get it now. So you zoom back up and you're back in an industrialised like factory, you chase Robotnik, and he it plonks himself into a device and he's in like um, pneumatic pumps that are moving up and down in a square room and you have to hit him. If you're stood in the right place as he pops up, you can stand up right next to him. Sometimes um, there are two that pop up and one will be empty, one will have a Robotnik in and you can't hit it, the empty one and do anything so sometimes it can be a bit trial and error because you'll find that you can't hit him and you kind of have to wait. Punctuated in between the rise and falls of these pumps is some purple like electricity beams that uh, go to predestined points on the screen and then will come down at diagonals to Sonic on the floor, all whilst you have no rings as well, it should be noted. Um, so yeah, I <laughs> this boss battle baffles me. I 
uh, my only thing I can surmise is it's like after his efforts with all his machines, he's just kind of given up and thought, come. I wonder if he's trying to be like some wild factory of doom or something, and this was kind of just the end point of that. It's it is a very odd battle, and also considering the sort of patterns that he seems to have in all of the previous levels, this actually does feel a little bit more random and more frustrating Mm -hmm. because of that, because you don't necessarily know which pod that he's going to be in, and sometimes, yeah, you do block yourself Mm -hmm. off um, because you're just trying to avoid being squashed by the other ones, and that you do sort of miss that, maybe miss time up, so it does take that bit longer to actually finish him as such. You, know, you can kind of do it time after time after time and it'd be very frustrating where yeah. you're just constantly getting blocked. Especially knowing that you're sitting there with no rings, you know, and if you if you get squashed, you're going to lose a life. And in reality, you could be maybe be sitting on maybe one or two lives if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, coming up to this point, um, particularly after the last bit of the um, the scrap brain zone, which is a very very tough run. Um, do you actually make it this far? There are, again, I'd said about the um, air pockets and what have you being deliberately placed yes. um, within the Labyrinth Zone. They are definitely yeah. um, deliberately placed on this yeah. one. There's a few the, times, yeah, it, definitely. It, yeah, it really is a run to try and, and hope that there will be one of the large air bubbles actually spawned um, from one of the air pocket um, points that you can actually get to before your time runs out. And uh, yeah, I lost a lot of lives coming into this um, of the ones that I had actually built up. And uh, compared to some of the other Sonic games, the first Sonic does not give you um, sort of your 100 rings to get an extra life easily. No, you feel like there may only be 100 rings on some levels. <laughs> That's how yeah. harsh it feels. Yeah, and again, with these sort of pop-up enemies and things, it's definitely deliberately trying to stop you from getting to that 100 rings. And so yeah, as I say, just the last bit in the scrap brain and then going into this does feel harsh mm-hmm, sure. um, and a disappointing finale yeah. um, as you said with the Dr. Robotnik it's a little bit of an anticlimax um, but then in reality I suppose you could say a lot of the boss fights have been slightly anticlimactic mm-hmm. coming to this point anyway. Yeah I guess now we've distilled all the bosses down they're all pretty rote and stuff but this is like the low point of that feeling yeah no I, I haven't really got much to add um it kind of in a sense now looking at it, it doesn't really feel like it deserves the like the the extra kind of build up I, I think i'd you know preferred some of the other boss fights but ultimately that that isn't what i take away from the game i don't think it's something the hedgehog is going to be you know hasn't lived on and been remembered because it had really inventive and innovative boss fights it's much more about you know giving you that sense of speed i guess and um also you know just being showcased in what at the time was incredibly slick and a stylish package which you know i started to fray at the seams um now but of course you can't be denied that it certainly did great business for Sega, and it, it of course is very much like their, their kind of flagship character and and it was really really kind of entertaining to go back to play a game that i did have very strong memories of you now as a child there's, there's very few games, I think, actually, that probably could rival um, Sonic the Hedgehog in terms of, you know, just a formative gaming experience that I had. I gathered a review from back in the day, just before we sum up our feelings about the games. I wondered 
what the world at large thought about it. So I found a review from Mean Machines magazine. They so they categorised quite a few things in their review. Game difficulty they put as medium, and that you could be skill level one to beat the game. Apparently, <laughs> I was clearly skill level zero. <laughs> and then this is back in the day, I guess, where they would give percentages for each different uh, categorised games and different things. So they went presentation. 87%, super smooth control method, and nice screens make Sonic a well-presented game. Slightly different to graphics, which got 96%, a range of sprites and backdrop that haven't been matched on any other Mega Drive game. Sound, 83%, vaguely appealing tunes, coupled with excellent effects. Playability, so they gave it 91%. They had super addictive platform action that's addictive from the outset. And lustability, Kind of, this kind of goes against some of the things we've said. So they gave it 90%. Far larger than Mickey Mouse, with plenty of secret rooms to find and loads of levels to conquer. So I guess they felt there was a lot of secret areas, whereas Mickey Mouse, I'm assuming they mean Castle of Illusion, which was like a slower place platform game, perhaps. Yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. that. Which is, that was a great game. Yeah, which was closer to that Mario mold of finding secrets. And uh, overall... They gave it 92% and they said best platform game on the Mega Drive, go for it. So guys, would you agree with Mean Machines Magazine's sum up of Sonic the Hedgehog? With my rose tinted glasses on, I I would find it hard to disagree. Um, But I do think, of course, it does now show its age. Um, Although, you know, at, at the time it very much was... A massive hit kind of like in the in the playground yeah. <laughs> and it did a lot to kind of bring people well i was gonna say it brought a lot of people to sega but i think equally people who already were established sega fans it kind of gave them ammunition i guess to use mm. against all like the you know, the nintendo hardcore fanboys you know i think very much we felt that we had a superior platformer to mario whereas of course i'd look back on my young self then and go you didn't have a clue <laughs> <laughs> I would say that nostalgia is a wonderful thing, um, but I do think that Sonic 1 does stand up as a good game and a very iconic game for that era of games. I think some of the design decisions and what have you do look a little bit weak now um, in hindsight, um, but I think overall it still stands up as a very well presented game and they very obviously put an awful lot of love and um, concept and everything into it. They had a very good idea and that they did well for what they could have done. And in that respect, it does stand up. But yeah, it's very obviously been eclipsed now. Um, But it's still enjoyable enough to go back to. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, I think obviously for some people, it's going to be an enormously important game um, in, you know, just like their game in history. And also, I would agree, it's, it's one of the... Not many games, I think, <laughs> or it seems to be that kind of seldom few games are actually that enjoyable to go back to yeah. a lot of the time. So yeah. although I probably wouldn't give it, you know, if we're going to adopt like a one to ten, I probably wouldn't give it like a nine now. Um, but it certainly, you know, it wasn't a chore to play through, although um, <laughs> there were certain sections that were frustrating. <laughs> sure. And I mean, I, but I also think, you know, at the end where you get that kind of, the ending scene, depending on whether you've collected all the Chaos Emeralds or not, of you know Sonic running back through the Green Hill Zone, follow you know, with all the kind of like freed animals behind him. 
it, it kind of even then I think felt to me, God, is that it? After all I've done, that's that. That's kind of like the big ending reveal that I get. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it felt to me at, at the time when without save states as, as a hard game. <laughs> So it, it felt it was one of those ones that you know you, you felt proud of the fact that you completed it, you know, back in the day. And yeah, it's sure. certainly one of the most memorable I played on all three systems actually, like Master System, Game Gear, and Mega Drive. The thing that sticks for me is how difficult it is. It still is to this day. Um, mm-hmm. I don't ever remember finishing it as a kid without uh, using the level select to get back to wherever I was up to. Um, so I guess using like trying to past like save states in the past kind of thing <laughs> like that's how i was already playing it before that functionality actually existed um just touching on the ending i guess as one final thing for sonic one is if you fail to get all the chaos emeralds you get the bad ending where you still do see sonic running around through the fields but you will also see robotnik juggling the chaos emeralds and giving you a little laugh and saying try again yes um, yeah. which is a bit of a kicker but you still get um doesn't he still, Sonic kind of still does jump out, yeah. doesn't he? You still get the little jumped out yeah. like title yeah. card thing. We did get a little list of some of the similarities with the Master System version. I guess we talked about it a bit before, just because I think there was a lot of people where this game came out of nowhere and they didn't have Mega Drives and they were still lucky the fact that there was a version of this game that came out of Master System. Kind of... If you think about Super Nintendo, once that was came out, there wasn't a lesser or so-called lesser version of Super Mario World that came out on the NES. They like left that console for dust. Um, so it was nice to see that there was a different versions that came out on the Master System and the Game Gear, which is a very similar version. So I just thought I'd run through a few differences and concessions that do kind of make them different games. So unlike the 16-bit version, Sonic can't recollect rings after he's been damaged. The Chaos Emeralds appear in levels as opposed to appearing in the special aid stages. With the exception of the Scrap Brain Zone, no boss zones contain rings or badniks. That's what the bad guys are called, badniks. <laughs> um, that makes the boss stages really difficult because there's no rings for any of them. Uh, one thing that I definitely remember playing on a friend's Game Gear is that there's signposts warning players of upcoming spike pits. And this was because the Game Gear screen is smaller and makes the game slightly harder to see. So they were little, I guess, like traffic signs that had like an exclamation mark. And I kind of think that the regular game could have used those. This is something they used in the Game Boy Advance games later on. And there's also a continue hidden in each level, unlike when you get a continue based on your ring score. And there were a few different levels. There was the bridge zone in the Master System version, which had a slightly different design, and there was also a jungle zone. And I guess we can t- we've touched a little bit already about different versions and stuff, so there's tons of different versions of this. From modern consoles like the PS3, the 360, Wii Virtual Console, the Nintendo 3DS has a version, then there's been a whole host of compilations. There's Sonic Jam that came out on the Saturn, which was like a museum of Sonic games. Sonic Classic Collection on the regular DS. The Sega Mega Drive Collection came out on PS3 and Xbox 360. And there's a Sega Mega Collection that was on GameCube, Xbox and PS2. Arguably the best version, I think, but perhaps not control-wise, is the iOS version, which runs in widescreen, which helps some of the visibility issues. It runs at 60 frames per second, and something we haven't touched on, which a lot of people forget, is that Sonic 1 didn't contain the spin dash. 
where you could kind of rev up on the floor and scoot off. But the iOS and Android version actually has this like they retrofitted it back into the game. Yeah, you can. I think the 3DS one allows you the option of doing okay. that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would. I I haven't played the iOS and Android version, no. so I I can't. I don't have evidence to contest that statement. And I am aware that in certain ports, it might even be Sonic Two. There are some actual extra levels that have been included yes, in yeah, the uh, mobile versions. But I, I, personally, I really felt that the, the M2 3DS. 3D um, releases on were really really good. Like I, I think they would be uh, my strong recommendation. Like having owned the previous kind of collections you mentioned um, on PS3, on Xbox, on you know Steam, things like that. I, I think I, I really enjoyed the experience of playing it on a handheld. I thought it really lent itself well, and I just think M2 have done some fantastic. Sega, you know, classic game releases on, in 3D as well. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it, was, it was beautiful, you know. Like I said, a lot of interesting little features that you get in the menu system, and uh, it was just a joy to play through. You know, with those, those save states, being able to do it on the go. One thing I would say about the Android port and possibly then the iOS port is that virtual joysticks and buttons on screen do not help the yeah. Sonic games. I could imagine, yeah, it's hard enough to control with a patch. Yeah, <laughs> they can make it a little bit extra frustrating. And uh, I think I didn't even play possibly all the way through the three levels of the Green Hill Zone before going, nah, I don't like this, it just doesn't feel good. There was also a iPad Nano version that came out um, where you used the click wheel to control it and that was similarly awful as you can expect. Um, I don't know how they really thought that would work. So yeah, um, I guess it's a lot easier to sync controllers and stuff with iOS and Android now than it used to be. So maybe that experience without the virtual sticks is the like ultimate experience, maybe. Possible. No. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was released worldwide on the 21st of November 1992, or Sonic Tuesday as it was called. Um, this was when Sega like really revved up the whole, like, we're the cool guys, we're going to like do everything bigger, better, bolder than Nintendo. So they planned the world's first, or what's thought to be the world's first like mass global release of a game out at the same time, which even until relatively recently was a lesser thing like you go back a generation or two and games did come out a lot later especially in Europe and stuff Um, so they rushed the game out and they had a series of worldwide events to celebrate the release of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and there's a whole book about Sega and Nintendo and the battle that they had in the 90s it's called Console Wars by Blake J Harris and you may have heard of this because apparently Seth Rogen is producing a film adaptation of the book. I think he actually did a foreword of the most Uh, recent version of it, yeah. Yeah, him and Evan Goldberg actually did a foreword of this version, yeah. So I'm just going to read you a quote just to give you an idea of how big it got. So in addition to Dustin Diamond, the New York event featured a handful of teen celebrities including Joey Lawrence from Blossom, Jonathan (laughs) Taylor Thomas from Home Improvements and Michael Cadd from California Dreams. Dustin Diamond had a few words to say about this uh, the blast processing. He says, With Sega's blast processing capabilities, the galaxy's most famous blue dude attitude has all new worlds, zones, music and manoeuvres, like the corkscrew spin dash, the sonic shield, and an unreal blue tube roller coaster run 
for head-on gold ring chasing fun. <laughs> That's what apparently he said on stage. And there are other events around the world. Uh, George McFly appeared on Power FM. And Saved by the Bell's Mario Lopez was also headlining an event somewhere around the world. So that's what happened in America, all for the timing of Sonic Tuesday. Do you guys remember this being a thing? I do remember Sonic Tuesday being a thing, yeah, because it yeah. was... Was it in October or November? Yeah, November, yeah. Yeah, and I remember sort of the hype and what have you in the magazines leading up to this. I remember my dad saying that he was going to try and get Sonic 2, um, but returned on the day saying no they were all out of stock and what have you and of course then by Christmas day of course there was uh, copies available and what have you because there had been news that it had completely sold out due to the demand for it and obviously potentially limited stocks. Yeah apparently the second best selling Genesis game of all time so the next job too. We're assuming the first was the first, the best selling. <laughs> None of us can <laughs> confirm but I think it must have been because it was packed in, wasn't the original pack in? That was Altered Beast, but then after that, they were all packed with it for quite some time. I got Altered Beast with mine. Maybe we'll do a game cast on Altered Beast. Love to. <laughs> Love to. <laughs> so Sonic didn't come alone in Sonic 2. He came with a bunch of new moves, as Dustin Diamond told us. But he also came with Miles Prower, ta- otherwise known as Tails, who was a fox who could keep up with Sonic by virtue of his two tails that spanned behind him as he ran. So, personally, back in the day, I thought Tails was really cool. Um, the way I found out Tails existed was, I think it may have even been Meme Machine magazine, the review I was quoting earlier, gave out a VHS with it, and it kind of had like little intro screens, and then it was like, hey, Sonic's not alone now, and then you saw the first level with Sonic being chased by Tails. And this was just a cool insight, thinking, wow, what if you could run, what if you could both play together, which is yes. not what it was intended yeah. as. That's that's what I think I can remember, yeah. is the idea that, oh wow, it was going to be two-player. Which ultimately Sonic 2 wasn't in that way, it was still pretty cool. I just think, well, they did have a multiplayer mode, but I just wonder if they wanted it to become that franchise and started to try and act more, add more character, like how they did with... Like there was Mario and Luigi, which was only created because of like a palette swap. Mm. But I guess something, and then like we also saw like a explosion of like Sonic merchandise out there. And I wonder if maybe they were like, we need somebody to be like Sonic's friend. You can't be like this lone crusader. Like when the cartoons came out and stuff, you had to talk to somebody. Yeah, well, obviously sidekicks for yeah, you know on the rise, yeah. and you know all part of the kind of merchandising of things so yeah he's he's very much kind of like the robin isn't it <laughs> to sonic in some regards I, I mean after a while i just felt like he got him awake <laughs> <laughs> yep um in particular there's certain parts of the game where he definitely got in the way sonic didn't just come with tails though like i said he came with some new mechanics including the spin dash that we mentioned before for me the spin dash sound when you're revving it is one of the most iconic video game sounds because it, it just starts like if you do it a little bit it sounds cool and if you do it in proper rev it sounds like he's it's like a demented version of the sound kind of comes out i've always loved that sound i could sit there just spin dashing spin dashing and listen to that sound yeah no there are there's lots of iconic sounds isn't there yeah. you know just the loss of the coin noise when you come off a spring or when you uh, unlock like an extra 
life it, it really you know that i would agree actually that although um sega sadly as a company it's no longer an even fight between them and nintendo uh, back in the day sega were in many respects leading it and sonic was you know a big massive part of that so yeah i've really you know, they're almost like ubiquitous, isn't it? If you were a gamer back then, then you knew about Sonic the Hedgehog and more than likely probably played it. Stuart, you mentioned in our show notes about how the rings are more plentiful, which I definitely think is the case. Yeah, um, certainly whenever I was getting to the later levels in Sonic 2, I was sitting on maybe a stockpile of at least sort of 10 lives or so, mm-hmm. and that certainly didn't happen anywhere near close to that in the first Sonic game. So whether or not they're more plentiful or there's not maybe quite as many things jumping out at you for you to lose the rings in the first place, um, I still think it was definitely more plentiful. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like playing on, we just talked, we literally just talked about sound design and I think one of those things is that appealing sound of collecting a ring and like making you feel like you're making progress I think they kind of doubled down on that and be like, yeah. like chuck rings on every flat space there is chuck some <laughs> rings there kind yeah. of so the player feels good and, I've, and and it obviously that ties into the new special stages as well the whole yeah. kind of idea of collecting a certain number of coins to be able to kind of get through a checkpoint I guess we can talk about the special stages actually whilst we're here because that was another change that came about. really iconic isn't it again you know like, it's really familiar now and it's one of those things Possibly the first time I saw what I thought at the time was like 3D yeah. graphics. Because it was like, wow, it's going into the screen. It's not like, it's not side-scrolling. It's not, I guess we had isometric things. Like I played old Rare games back in the day that were isometric, but it was still on a single plane. Whereas this was like 3D, like 3D, 3D. You could walk on the floor, you could walk on the side, you could even loop and go up to the ceiling. Yeah, like a step on from sort of Space Harrier, you know, that kind of way that he yeah, comes into Yeah, kind of, screen. yeah. It was like that technology taken to another level with more fidelity in some ways, it felt like to me. You got to those special stages in a different way. You didn't jump through a big ring anymore. When you went past the little checkpoints, a glistening ring appeared above your head and you jumped inside it to get there. I think you may have alluded to previously about how annoying tails could be <laughs> yes this is definitely a stage so during the 3d tunnels there's a lot of like blind corners where there's like mines it's not just about collecting rings it's about avoiding mines whereas you would often miss them tails was like a bit delayed because he's running behind you he would move like two seconds after you and inevitably run into the mines and lose the rings he's collected which all counted towards your Total, you had to get like a hundred. Oh no, it changed each level, didn't it? Yeah, how much you had yeah. to get. You got anything to add about those levels, Stuart? They were such a difference um, compared to the bonus levels on the first one, mm-hmm. and also the fact that they were easier to get to um, because they were actually you could get to them through each, the checkpoint stages by having fifty rings um, at the time. So there was a lot more chances for you to actually get into the bonus levels. Um, because each level would probably have at least sort of three checkpoints, um, so you could have potentially three um, chaos emeralds amassed quite quickly. Yes, that's um, true. Even even yeah. through even through the first level, um, but I definitely think as they go, the levels themselves are hot, designed to be harder. Um, do you actually get the chaos emeralds compared to the first one or the first game? Um, but yeah, it's a, a very interesting way of doing it, and again, a complete. Well, I wouldn't say a complete departure, but it feels like a different departure 
um, from the actual style of the 2D platforming game that Sonic is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And some funky so, yeah. colours going on. Very like, fan- is it Fantasy <laughs> Zone or Fantasy Star? Oh, yeah, yeah. Fantasy yeah, Zone. Yeah, it's yeah. Fantasy Zone, yeah. yeah. It is, yeah, very reminiscent of the colour scheme for that. I'll, and I, I kind of enjoyed the shift to the fact that there were only now two acts per zone yeah. in, in Sonic 2. And things did look kind of subtly, I guess, but they noticeably kind of graphically better in sort of yeah, I feel like the picture was sharper yeah some, really, some of the see, animations I, yeah I actually thought that Sonic 2 more ramped up the bright colours but actually a little bit of the detail was lost in that interesting hmm. I, I honestly don't think it looks quite as crisp and as detailed as Sonic 1 does but that's just what my opinion on it. Certainly the animations and things have definitely got better, but I think it was just the sort of the foreground and the background just didn't look quite as nice and as crisp um, in the detail compared to the first one. I think some of it was busier, like the backgrounds yeah. were busier in, in Sonic yeah. 2, so maybe it didn't it, it lacked some of the some of the stark design of the first Sonic actually kind of in the end lends to its kind of like striking nature, but I, I mean, I'll, I'll be preemptive and just say I think Sonic Hedgehog 2 was better. Like, it's a better mm. game. Um, I although I remember Sonic 1 a lot clearer. And uh, I think actually it's just like returning and playing them again. It makes me realise that Sonic 1 was a game that I completed back in the day. Whereas I don't actually think I ever managed to get to the end of Sonic Hedgehog 2 um, as a child. Whereas obviously, you know, I was able to do that now. <laughs> Thanks to save states largely, but um, yeah, it's again like the, the early levels because of course we start Sonic Two on Emerald Hill Zone, which is you know very reminiscent to the the, the first level, of the original Sonic. Um, but as you kind of get further on and you go through, some of them I had very little memory of, as was uh, you know evident in the quiz that we did. <laughs> yeah. So I guess Emerald Hill Zone kind of starts a weird tradition that carries on through a lot of the Sonic games, like retreading this like idealised first level. So Emerald Hill Zone is kind of a rehash of the Green yeah, Hill Green Zone, Hill but, Zone yeah. but kind of more yeah. crazy and nuts. There's more loop-the-loops, there's more springs. Um, also it's added the addition of like the twists that you run on towards the end of a... Yeah, the Mobius yeah. strips, I think as they were yeah, called. Yeah. So this for me is this for me feels more iconic than the Green Hill Zone, so just because I think I played it a lot more as a child, um, and it has a lot more of those cool things. But I do think they they kind of retreaded this a lot in Sonic games now. A lot of two D Sonic games will start with a green level. It's like how a lot of um, the three D games start with one as well. It's a weird little thing that I guess they kind of latched onto, either whether it's a remake of the level directly mm-hmm. or just a similarity. I think to a degree. Um, particularly with the Sonic games and certainly Sonic 2 is that it is going for that familiarity yeah. but different yeah. and uh, just to sort of break people in easily to it I think it's, yeah. um, because again you know, the Mega Drive for a lot of people will have been their first um, sort of gaming machine um, and the first sort of you know actual console that they would have owned so trying to sort of breed in a little bit of familiarity and uh, not making it completely overwhelming is definitely a good um, strategy um, for the consumer. Yeah, because I'm not sure at that time the kind of sequelization of games was that prevalent. I mean, of course, you, you did have sequels like we've had, you know, Mario Brothers 1, 2 and 3 by this point and, and kind of others, but I don't, it wasn't as commonplace, was it, to have a 
running franchise. Franchise, yeah. Because it is very much like a direct sequel. Um, Although, of course, you're getting to Sonic 3 and Knuckles and how that kind of took more of a departure. Uh, And, of course, you could argue that actually, despite the the rather kind of template of the gameplay, some of the other later Sonic games strayed too far, I guess, from this classic formula and is often why they're kind of regarded as as a lot weaker. Um, I, I think, I guess, for me and possibly for other people, Sonic 2 stands out as like the real kind of high point in the whole kind of franchise of Sonic the Hedgehog mm. to me. I mean, I'll be interested to know whether you think Sonic 3 and Knuckles is, is better when we, when we get onto that, because I, I think I have heard a more kind of growing consensus that that might be the case. But I don't know whether that's because it depends on what Sonic game was your first. Like, maybe it's a, like an age thing, because I think by mm. the time sort of 3 and Knuckles came out, I, I was done with Sonic. You know, I'd kind of like moved on to something else by then. I think this might be the best version of, like, classic Sonic. Sonic 3 starts to add a lot of new things. It's a bit, its scope is a bit bigger in terms of some of the levels and stuff. Um, I think mm. if you were to pure Sonic experience, this is the best before it starts getting... Sonic 3 might be the ultimate evolution of that model, which we'll get onto later. But Sonic 2 is definitely in its purest form. is probably really the best version of Sonic there's ever been. I would argue. Um, I don't know if you feel differently, Stuart. <laughs> I would still probably argue that Sonic 1 is possibly more iconic, but yet I have absolutely no problem with somebody arguing, like Lee, arguing the other way that, you know, Sonic 2 is the um, sort of sort of perfect distillation of what Sonic is um, at its best. Sure. Um, so Emerald Hill Zone opens up, two apps bomb through them, and you get two a version of Eggman that's slightly different. So rather than the Eggmobile just um, taking on an extra contraption added to it, it's now a whole different vehicle where it's like a cockpit inside a car and he's just going back and forth kind of and then he will shoot like a drill at you as well. Um, Again though, despite it looking flashy and different, it doesn't actually change much. It's still a very rope, (laughs) like jump over him hit him, um, wait for him to do that, and then his last ditch attempt is to throw the drill at you. The only thing is, as a kid, I thought this was amazing, because on the meme, <laughs> on the meme Machines video I saw as a kid, it didn't show you him fighting the boss. It kind of showed the car approaching, and I was like, oh my god, wow, like his Eggmobile can turn into a car now, this is amazing. And then it cut, and then it cut to another video of like Alien 3 or something, I think it was, and it was like, more <laughs> Sonic later. And it was like, oh, wow. And then it cuts back to Sonic, and it showed you a later level. It didn't actually show you what happened in that fight. So I was like, until Sonic 2 came out, it's like there's endless possibilities as to what this boss battle could actually be but again and, the, and then the possibility is like the overwhelming realization that in many respects dr eggman is like the kind of wily coyote to your <laughs> speedrunner and that he really isn't much of a challenge is he at all just driving around um so yeah so i'm very disappointed again to be honest what about you guys yeah um again it yeah, it looks flashy, but it's a fairly easy boss to get through. And again, that's possibly a design thing, you know, make the first boss relatively easy to get through just so that you do get on to yep. the next level. But it was welcome to, you know, run through to the end of the level again and 
you get that kind of spinning yeah. sign, don't you? Of course, you know all, all those kind of little touches uh, of what you kind of yeah. remember, you know, playing it, you know, today. Because isn't he? Does he have like two fingers out? Does he always have the two fingers salute? I can't remember whether it changes, like you know, where it spins round and you see Sonic's face. I can't remember if it's slightly changed in the second one, because obviously it being the sequel. Yeah, no, it's it's two fingers yeah. in the second one, and then it was just one finger in yeah. the first one. Um, so following that, we kind of have a different tack from the first game. It doesn't give us a slow level. It gives us probably an even faster level. Um, it takes some of the things from Scrap Brain, like the multiple loop-the-loops and the different springs and stuff, in the form of mm. the chemical plant zone. So this was on the same VHS that I had. <laughs> so for me, again, one of my favourite levels. Um, I love them. I think this is the music is up there. It's some of the best that Sonic's ever had. So much so that like I have the remix from Sonic Generations on my phone that I listen to when I work out on occasion. Um, so you know, if you're editing this, anyone put that track hot, on here. High tempo, eh? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean it is obviously a real speed demon, you know, the track yeah. and the fact that you do like the loops, the loops, and you get obviously the um, the, the kind of power ups change, isn't it? Because you get like a pulsing blue shield don't you yeah it looks a bit um, cooler kind of yeah no it does yeah, yeah. And, I th- and I think it was that case of it's like they've refined I guess that style of level design like we were talking about but they keep going back to the kind of um, tropical opening level this is much more of the kind of like tech and kind of mechanical yeah. uh, design but with all those like really quick sections that, the, that you can able to yeah. run through and yeah, no, I think it felt like it felt like an evolution, I guess. You yeah. know, it felt like, you know, again, one of the levels that you'd point out and say, this is where they're kind of like developing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it has those like rollers as well that you kind of run through to make you go even faster, which is kind of cool. Um, Stuart? Yeah, no, this one definitely ramps up the speed and a lot of the time it feels like a roller coaster. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, you start running... Press down just to roll yourself up into a ball just to try and avoid enemies. And uh, yeah, just let go of the control pad for a little bit and then you eventually yeah, come you'll to a stop. Landing water yeah. if you're not careful. Um, yeah. Which is perhaps the one sour note of this level. Yes, um, although it's not a. It's more of a hazard as opposed to having to run yeah. through it and uh, as such. There are some sections where you have to jump up some moving platforms and things to try and avoid it and there is still the possibility of drowning. But it never feels as frustrating um, as it does on the um, some of the other water levels. I always thought the chemical plant zone just feels huge. Yes. But then that might just be because you're travelling you know, right to left instead of the usual left to right. And you're going up and down an awful lot more. Yeah, I think maybe if you were to look at a picture of the map, I'd imagine it's probably s- smaller sections, like stacked on top of each other, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and uh, certainly in this one, if you time jumps and things right, or sort of coming off um, some of the roller coasters and get your jumps right, there's definitely ways of getting through sort of alternate pathways or even shortcuts. Yeah. Um, compared mm-hmm. to the yeah. other one. And you kind of see them because the way the loops kind of twist over each other kind of offers up that possibility that there's different routes through things and springs that send you up really high and you see platforms that you can see stuff happening on. So you kind of know that mm-hmm. it's not just there for show, like it's there because there's other routes around the levels. Yeah, it's uh, frustrating whenever you're on one of the roller coaster rides and you see an extra life whizzing <laughs> past you and then you try and work out how on earth am I going to get back to that and is it worth yep, the effort? For sure. Another uh, thing that I really liked about this level is the kind of 
shoots you jump in, so you'll hit like two blocks, drop in, and Sonic will spin dash. Tails kind of yep. drop in behind him. And then uh, I guess the visual effect I like is when you come out of those pipes, it's like a spring, but turned facing away from you. And as you come out, the spring drops down and you hit it and bounce up. A weird little visual tick that I like, kind of really appreciate every time he pops out of one of them shoots. Um, I think this one's the also the first level that these sort of little mini springboards um, appear in. They're like a, a little sort of, yeah, a little yeah. half springboard um, that sort of makes Sonic actually do like a little sort of yeah. 360. Yeah, again, another like animation touch that you perhaps didn't see in like Mario games and stuff at the time which yeah. I really appreciate. And uh, again, they can be frustrating in their own way, depending <laughs> on how and which way you hit them. Yeah, because you can hit them and not really move. Yeah. Hit them right and send you to a nice cool hidden bit of the area. Um, the boss for this one is the Eggmobile this time has kind of a receptacle for sucking up water. And the water's, I guess, possibly poisoned or something because it'll kill Sonic unless he's ducked down. Um, and it's got two platforms either um, no, one platform in the middle, two like reservoirs of water either side. And Robotnik's like pulling water out of them with his thing. And then he kind of spills the cup out onto the main platform. Not a very challenging boss at all. If you are quick, you can just spin up onto top of him and just hit him time and time again before he's even finished filling the glass yeah. once. <laughs> yeah, but a cool yeah. animation. Like it, yeah. it looks like, oh wow, yeah, he's actually, you know, customising his vehicle and there's going to yeah. be a bit more to it. But you're right, it, it ends up making him weaker. <laughs> yeah, because he's wasting the time. Should have already come with it filled, surely. <laughs> Um, there's another one of like more style over substance kind of like the car yes. in the first one yeah. amounted to nothing and I kind of feel the same way about this one could have been so much better yeah it does feel strange that some of the bosses whenever you're fighting them you can get one hit on them and then they'll move yeah. to another pattern whereas in this case you know you can just bounce Spam on them multiple it, yeah. times and get those 8 hits in yeah. very very quickly uh, so yeah it feels strange as if part of the design team weren't necessarily talking yeah. to each other. <laughs> yeah, that, which is a possibility, I guess. Like they're yeah. rushing out the game. So yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Um, after the highs of Emerald Hill and the chemical plant, we unfortunately come, for me, come back down to Earth with the aquatic ruin zone. Um, it's, I'd say 70% of the level is underwater. Um, you can avoid some of the water zones again, but some of the techniques to completely avoid the water are near on impossible. Yeah, it's another one of those scenarios where you're starting to learn that if you can stay high, yep. it's like an easier route through the level, yeah. like through the zone. Um, it has still has trademark Sonic things, the loop the loops, because I guess it's a ruin set on like a you know, lush forest or something, perhaps, if the background's to be believed. Um, but yeah, I really hate this mm. level. I inevitably always slip into the water find it really frustrating I'm not a fan but I do like the boss level I like the um, that you can hide or you run behind like leaves like, yep. I like that effect again it gives you that greater sense of depth of field that you know you're obscured by the leaf foliage as you kind of like run on top of the um, you know like the loop to loops you can actually run on the top of them um, across so, so that you don't actually run up like the hamster or whatever the hamster will you're just jumping from the top to another one but you kind of get obscured as you do so and I think some leaves kind of like blow down as you run through them again yeah it's a, an interesting design aesthetic for the level but yeah it can be very frustrating and again it's one of those levels where there are 
enemies that just seem to pop out at you to deliberately either slow you down or get those rings yeah. off you. Um, like those arrows. Oh yeah, I should say this... Um, another reason, like what I was saying before, that I didn't complete this back in the day because I suddenly realised the further I got through I had absolutely no memory of some of the zones. But um, with the addition to the save states in the uh, 3DS version, you can also do this thing where you only lose half your rings if you're hit. Oh, okay. That's a cool concession. So, again, you know, I'm all, I'm all for making it easier. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that does make it easier. Sure. The boss for this one is uh, the Eggmobile now has a giant hammer on it. Two totem poles come from the ground that can shoot arrows. The intention is that you use the arrows as platforms to jump up and hit Dr. Robotnik, but... If you stand where the poles are coming up from the ground, you can stay on top of the poles. And if you pick the right, the left-hand side, you can just when Robotnik comes in and stands there for the first time, you can just spin dash and hit him, and then he's gone. Or alternatively, you can jump from the two posts and just jump between them and keep hitting Robotnik each time you go over. Um, so you don't have to wait for him to hit his hammer to hit the poles to put the arrows out to use his platforms. So you can do it within like five seconds. Again, further evidence that I really feel like the boss fights are just total yeah. afterthought. You know, whereas like some game design was almost all about the boss fight uh, and the level itself was kind of unmemorable. It's the complete vice versa, I think, in Sonic the Hedgehog. I guess there's comparisons to be made with Mario World again. The Koopa Kids and those, even though they're just essentially little children, but they do have very different techniques for each kind of. So you could almost argue, even though there's not a lot going on there, True, yeah. there's still more tactics and more. you have to have more nounce as a player to kind of beat them than these things where you're seemingly just trying to find a trick and getting it to work. Yeah, I mean, again, maybe the uh, either the original Mario Brothers trilogy or you know um, Super Mario World could be um, a game we could return to in the past, yeah, but perhaps. I think it would be interesting, particularly with Super Mario World, because I just think that game has aged so much better in a way. I wouldn't know. Never finished. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so following on from Aquatic Ruin, we fam- we come back to a very familiar looking zone, but this time it's called the Casino Night Zone. It has a bunch of flippers. It has the springs. It also now has like um, a slot machine mechanic where Sonic can go in and have all his coins stolen from him. Um, sorry, you can you can win more coins. Rings. Sorry. Oh yes, yes, and and his and his face can come up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like this level. <laughs> it's yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Kind of insane. There's a lot going on, but it's like bright. It can be played pretty fast. It has the cool little um, springs that you kind of have to manually pull down, and it'll spring you around a loop. It has the new little elevators that, again, really iconic sound as they go up. They're like ooh, kind of thing. Um, a level that epitomizes Sonic speed and but with a bit more variety for me. Great backgrounds as well. Looks like Vegas or something. Yeah, it's definitely sort of back to the bright lights and springs of the original Spring Yard zone. Yeah. Um with the but with the pinball aesthetic uh, ramped up an awful lot. Yeah, just a really fun one to play if you're <laughs> just sort of playing it in a relaxed way. Again the bumpers can be very frustrating if you're trying yeah. to actually get through the level. Um, quickly. So I guess there's also a few, there's like the moving like blue, like I guess there may be elongated hexagons kind of that move. Mm-hmm. And you can bump into them as well, which is really annoying. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, definitely up there with the best for me, personally. Um, and the boss, I think, offers a little bit different. This time, the Eggmobile kind of has some nice neon lights on it and an electro electric claw that kind of comes up and down and grabs. Um, and it drops like spike balls that will explode. But the fight takes place in what looks like a giant pinball machine. Mm -hmm. um, the electric claw with all the lights going around means that Sonic can't hit from the ground. So you kind of have to flip yourself around. Um, the technique I found at work is wait till he's near the sides and kind of spin dash. And then when you spin dash on a wall, you can press jump again and you'll jump back off the wall kind of. And you can hit yeah. that way. That was the technique I was using as well, and it can be over fairly quickly yeah. um, doing it that way. Um, I think using the pinball flippers can be very distracting and an awful lot harder to get your timings right um, for actually landing back on top of them. Yep. Yeah, I've got... I've, my memory's going blank with this boss, but I must admit. <laughs> uh, just, it, yeah, a good one. Looks a bit jazzier. Mm. So Sonic leaves the casino night zone for... Hilltop zone. Um, gonna put this out there. The level's fine. Thinking it has the most dreary music in a Sonic game ever. <laughs> it's just not fast paced or anything. It sounds like it should be on some like country album or something. Um, kind of I think you summed up pretty well in our show notes, Stuart, that it kind of is the Emerald Hill zone but with the lava of the original marble zone. Yeah. I think it's kind of, you've like nailed it. It pretty much is that. And then again, it's that it's familiarity again. Throwing yeah. some new mechanics, but mash together stuff that people remember from the first game. Mm. And also has the seesaws as well. So I always fondly remember the seesaws. So I, I like Hilltop Zone, and I think it's got a really appealing kind of colour palette to it. Yeah, it looks fine. I just don't like the music. <laughs> Again, though, it does have a few blind drop bits with um, lava, like where lava's rising, and you kind of having to jump without quite knowing where you go to get out of those sections. Yeah, you're just trying to sort of yeah jump up the screen to try and avoid the, the yeah. rising lava, and uh, like, uh, can be yeah frustrating. But if you've got the um, invincibility, you can just run across the lava, can't you? Yeah, you can do. But it's sometimes easy to actually get yourself stuck. Yeah, um, when you're on lava and being invincible, because you get to a place where you shouldn't necessarily be able to otherwise, and uh, you can find yourself in trouble that yeah, way. Yeah, you kind of can't get through that door. Yeah. So yeah. Um, popular speedrunning level this one um, there's a pretty cool trick that lets you miss all of that bit oh, okay. um, if you drop down take some deliberate damage earlier in the level you can just miss all of that lava bit and just like scoot straight through it all I was going to say that the inclusion of tails in this level is particularly frustrating oh, yeah. because it's very often that he accidentally steals rope baskets on you and whenever you're not necessarily ready to move on and they just kind of leave you high and dry with nowhere to go unless, <laughs> unless you literally just do a blind jump um, into where the rope basket was actually travelling to and uh, yeah. yeah, that can be frustrating You can almost tell when he is going to be a pain because he just hovers you know, like he doesn't actually <laughs> land he's just following you with his like, tails yeah. propelling The boss for this one again, pretty lacklustre uh, it's two platforms there's lava either side where Botnik will pop up with like a little gun that shoots lava and lands on the ground sometimes so it burns the ground so you kind of have to be mindful of which platform you're on so what do we think of this boss again I think this might be one like chemical plant that can be done yeah, in like one cycle it seems to be again that the kind of more 
intricate animation of the actual vehicle allows him to be static so you can just get so many hits in you know so that that that's yeah. what kind of um shortens the confrontation so much more for me even though the already short ones in the first game is that it's just it just gives you a big window to land numerous hits because of the yeah because of how elaborate his contraptions now are kind of uh mr cave zone then is a level i actually also as a child gave up a lot on because i wasn't a fan nice cool music mm. um but not a fun level to play for as such it's a i guess like a purple background like caverns kind mm. of and then lots of rock faces and um, these really annoying bugs that you can hit when they're not lit up or when they are lit up like light bug things you'll lose your rings yeah you're on kind of like rails aren't you there's a lot of moving platforms yeah. and you've got to jump you've got to um, catch on to um, is it like uh, and there's like vines hanging down yeah vines that's it yeah vine lifts and that kind of like lowers levels that you have to jump onto I think actually it was a level I almost was getting stuck on. Like I think there was times where I couldn't actually yeah. work out how what what I was meant to do. How could I reach up to catch the vine yeah. to then open an exit out to the, you know? So I think yeah, as a kid, I probably just was sonicked out probably by then. Because again, as we're saying, although they're relatively short games, and I think you can probably speed run through this one, although it's bigger um, in a similar time to the first one. You know, we were playing these games, or well, I was playing these games for months you know, <laughs> as a kid, so they were really mm-hmm. kind of almost outstaying their welcome when they were too <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's a popular speedrunning level, actually, because you can miss out a lot of the lever pulling oh, stuff okay. by like jumping over the things. Yeah. Um, I've watched a few times when they've done it as summer games done quick and stuff, and yeah, I remember there's bits where you can kind of completely miss the having to use all those levers and stuff. Yeah, I'd said that the uh, the confusing layout um, of these levels is just annoying uh, rather than being necessarily frustrating because you don't necessarily, or the pathway isn't very obvious. Even if there was occasional arrows um, or even a pair of arrows that said, you know, right, go in one of these directions um, would sometimes be helpful. And as a Sonic game being a Sonic game, you assume that you need to go right um, but that's not necessarily always the way that you should yeah. be going. That's true, and they also hide some of the, um, you know, like you knock those little poles, don't you? It's like your checkpoints through the yep. level, and some of them are like hidden completely yeah. behind what look like yes. solid walls or solid vines, I guess, in this case. Yeah. So you only find them almost by accident. I think you can probably get through. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah, some you can go through the level and quite easily not hit mm-hmm. them. Because um, they're like accidentally placed, kind of. Yeah. So another boring boss comes next. Um, this time it's Drill Eggman. So he drills through the rocky ceiling and causes earthquakes that make rocks fall. Um, the normal rocks don't do damage, but I guess the pointy ones, stalactites, yes, stalactites, yeah, yeah. whichever one it is, do damage you. Sonic gets his opportunity to hit Robotnik as he comes down out of the. Um, ceiling I guess yeah because you want to hit him before he kind of or like kind of moves his drills upwards so like he's obviously drilled yeah. through the ceiling so they're pointed down and that's where you can get all your hits in whereas yeah. he, if you let him have time to point them up then obviously when you're trying to jump into him you can be hit but it's another one you can just get done and dusted really quickly if you get all your hits in early yeah I said on this one that the 
Again, it's another one of the ones where the last checkpoint before the boss feels unfair, purely because there's no more rings to actually get before getting to him. And even before the boss actually appears, there's the stalactites um, coming down from the ceiling, which um, if you get hit with no rings, then you're obviously dead without even seeing Dr. Robotnik coming down. And they are actually quite hard to avoid, um, considering the speed that they come down at and the sort of slowness of, um, or the you know the actual timing of them coming down, and um, doesn't leave yeah. an awful lot of time for Sonic to actually move out of the way. Um, I also thought the hitbox on this boss felt a little off, um, because sometimes you think, well, I'm jumping at the side, I'm not necessarily touching the drill, but you will get taken out for a hit and lose the rings that you had as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, a very annoying boss, in my experience, um, purely because of not necessarily being having any rings whenever you get to that stage, and just the, the hitbox being... Um, not feeling positioned correctly, um, or something yeah, like that, or, be, um, or being sure. very, very yeah. small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I definitely had, where well, I was convinced I was hitting the yeah. side, yeah, Sonic could just jump up and die, and it's like, well, yeah, it's not right. So, yeah, I definitely agree to that one. So next up, we have the very colourful uh, Oil Ocean Zone. Again, going back to the industrial theme, so this is a lot of. Uh, Brightly coloured purple, green and gold platforms set on like an oil bed. Lots of like fans keeping you up above the oil. I think this might be the first introduction of like the cannons where it's like a cannon has like a bulbous bottom that Sonic sits in and it shoots him out. In this case it's shooting him across like a predetermined Mm -hmm. path. Again, one that shows you a whole bunch, a bit like Chemical Plant Zone, shows you a whole bunch of other parts of the levels that you were like, how am I ever going to get to them? (laughs) And like you definitely see one-ups whilst you're on that route. I think this level's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's not too Something. bad. There's some interesting little mechanics, um, such as the yeah. sort of the pressure valve platforms and things that pop up yep. and that you have to get on. And there's the slightly odd um, bit where it's like two big pointy, I don't know, columns or something that are moving sort of left and right, um, sort of on a set path, which feels a little strange compared to the surroundings because they almost feel organic um, compared to um, the rest of the level but overall yeah it was an okay level it doesn't necessarily stand out but um, there was enough little design bits in it that um, made it interesting to play has the cool little platforms that shoot you up with like the green yeah the, the pressure valve ones that's what yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That one, so, oh, so there's those and then I guess there's the other like pressure swings yeah again, uh, spins springs they're a bit like the ones in the casino like where you push them and it sends you on your way kind mm-hmm. of again it feels like one that would be easy to get lost in um, but it's yeah. not quite as bad as um, the Mystic Cave is um, because at least it's easier to find your way, and uh, definitely going right is the right way to go in this level. Yeah, there's um, a bit of height, but not as no. much, I don't think. I think, yeah, the bits of height that it is in the level, um, it deliberately takes you to those places, um, as opposed to necessarily trying to find your way up to them. Now this is the boss, <laughs> where the snake thing is. So this is Submarine Eggman, or Robotnik, whatever you want to call him. So he alternates between popping up in his little submarine, a gun coming up and kind of shooting lasers, a bit like how the gun shot the lava at the end of Hilltop, 
And then when the gun goes down, a weird snake thing kind of comes up that has like a spiky tail and loops around. Yeah, it looks like a scorpion's tail almost. Yeah, it does. Um, again, another boss that can be <laughs> easily beaten. <laughs> Because you can just not stand on the platforms. The oil that the level's set on, you can bounce on it. It's like got viscosity, like yeah. oil. Yeah, you don't automatically sink straight into it. So you can sort of bounce up and down on that oil and just wait for Robotnik to come back and then hit him. Doesn't matter what the scorpion tail's doing, doesn't matter what the laser's yeah. doing. Um, it, it does feel very much like a, a copy and paste with a slight amendment um, from the hilltop boss yeah. in that yeah. respect. Just disappointing within the same yeah. game. It's already doing like callbacks. Next up, we have the Metropolis sign. Again, very industrial looking level. Some nice little callbacks in the background. Um, there's the pistons moving up and down that look a bit like the ones from the final boss battle of Sonic mm. 1. Again, this stands up there with Chemical Plant Zone as an iconic um, soundtrack to me. The music's yeah. really cool. And a couple of things we see for the first time are the two vertical walls of like springy pads that bounce up mm-hmm. and down. And so you kind of run into them and they send you up. That would later be used in Sonic 3 as a form of bonus mm-hmm. stage. And this again has got that mechanic where you kind of go inside a pipe and then it shoots yep. really fast. And, shoots yep. you up. and also yep. isn't this the one where it's like a lot longer? Like I know... I don't know, generally speaking, what the levels are about, what, one to two minutes long to get through? Probably about two minutes, say, on average. This is a much kind of longer one, isn't it? Yeah, it's longer as well as having three acts, yeah. Um, Not quite sure why they decided to do that, possibly, because it's the last fully realised zone, I guess. I think the difficulty seems to crank up in the later yeah. stages of this game in particular because mm. um, obviously some of the levels we're going to get onto infuriatingly hard so there's a lot going on in this level as empty as we've said a lot of the levels are this level has all sorts of things waiting to kill you like all sorts of bosses it's got these crabs with like big punching fists it's got um, spikes coming out of little blocks you got to jump spikes onto coming out of all places Got the starfish. Praying mantises as well, firing um, things oh, at you. They like throw like boomerangs that kind of loop back at them. And again, yeah. those praying mantises are a good example of one of the things that I've previously been talking about, where you're going so fast that because you don't know that they're there and could never know that they're there, you run straight into them. On occasion, that feels very unfair. For sure. So, um, am I right in thinking this is where, cause I don't know if we mentioned, you get that supersonic um, sort of power up? You obviously can run straight into them then, can't you? Yeah, you could go yep. straight through them then, yeah, yeah. with the uh, being supersonic. Yeah, so I had, and to get supersonic, because I must confess it's something that I did very, very seldomly. What is it? What are the requirements again that's in order to do that? Where you go, like, you know, bright sort of fire yellow? I, well, it's having all of the seven Chaos Emeralds, and I think it's just hitting a certain speed in the level. I thought it was getting 50 rings. Yes, I think that's oh, well, it. Yes, I it think you actually, trigger yes. it. Yeah, once you've got all the Chaos Emeralds, it's you trigger it by hitting, isn't it? You have to have 50 coins by the time you hit one of the checkpoint posts or something. Something, Or maybe you jump, I can't remember. Um, that's what it is in Sonic 3 for sure once you hit 50 rings I think the next time you jump like you hold down the jump Mm. button he turns super and then your rings kind of become a timer I don't know and as it ticks down 
Well, it's, it's something, it's like a power-up that you don't actually even need to use to complete the game in many respects. No, it is just a, a, like a bonus thing, so it is. Yeah, yeah. But it does make levels like this. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Again, there's the um, sort of running up and down the screws. Um, yeah, I like that. Using yeah. the bolts and what have you is a very clever mechanic, but it is frustrating as hell if you miss the jump off them. Oh god, and you have to keep going down. and repeat it, yeah. Yeah, because you then have to actually backtrack a fair amount through the level um, to then get back to that point you have reset the bolt um, to try again. And uh, yeah, there was a couple of those that I had to do multiple times um, just because I was mistiming the jump. Um, yeah, and the, li- and the little starfish so also, isn't it? Like yes. The little starfish enemies shooting like arrows at you to not. Yeah, you. they're like uh, proximity mines. Um, that if you're close enough to them, we'll set them off and uh, they will explode, firing um, sort of the five of their little bullets, sort of in a pentagon pattern. And uh, yeah, trying to avoid those while running up and down the bolts is uh, yeah frustrating. You end up jumping off them inevitably and being like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to get hit, but then you, uh, you'll eventually fall down the, the shaft that you've just made your way up and uh, have to backtrack a little bit. It's a cool level, so it does feel a bit overlong, I guess, because of the three acts. Even because of the size of the levels in each of those acts as well, can feel more overlong, um, even if yeah. it had just been two of them. And you get to fight not just one Dr. Eggman, but multiples. <laughs> so, uh... Eggman comes along, and this time he is surrounded by rotating eggs uh, that are mini versions of himself. So the eggs hatch, and they'll turn into him. You attack the regular ones, uh, the egg ones, and they kind of pop, and then you destroy them. That's it, basically. So you kind of do the pattern until they're all gone, and then you attack him. Yeah, because while they're sort of swirling around him, that is his defence, and if you get yes. hit by those, then yeah, yeah that's a, a hit so, uh, against you. You kind of getting up. Um, I can't actually remember whether you jump on them to get up to him or not, but you're basically trying to hit the underneath of these kind of circular. Yeah, shit uh, while again. while those are spinning around him, you're trying to time it just right. Um, but yeah, you're probably better just waiting until those all clear and uh, you get rid of them to just make make them defenseless as such. And I guess that finishes the traditional um, acts and bosses kind of part of the game. So next up we have... Sky Chase Zone, yeah. This is, so the, the now finally Towers has got something to do. He flies the aeroplane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Tails finds a biplane and they take to the skies. Um, it's a pretty linear, like, auto-scrolling level where... It's pretty chill, to be honest. You just avoid your wing, Sonic's wing walking, I guess, on the top, collecting rings. Wherever he moves, Tails happens to drive the plane and stay there, so you always have somewhere to land. Yeah, or you. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's got some more memorable kind of enemy types, and you're kind of jumping, and you've got like a larger turtle with like a, a baby turtle on top, and you have to yeah. kind of knock off the baby, and then you can actually use the the larger turtle as a platform. And I think there's like some circular helicopter style enemies as well. They just they look different to what's come before. Mm-hmm. And like you say, it was kind of a level one. You think, oh, it's going to be really difficult because you've got to manage to maneuver Sonic around and land on the plane each time. But in actual fact, it's one of the easier levels. And thank God it was because what comes next wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so the Wing Fortress Zone. So aside from Mystic Cave, this was the death of me as a child. <laughs> Um, you were up on like a sky base or a wing fortress, I guess, 
Uh, there's many moments where it can be insta-death um, because you are in the sky, there's no platforms to land on. Um, but, playing it back, um, I enjoyed this level this time around. No, I, I mean, I never got to it as a kid and I actually still found it a challenge now as an adult. I think the fact that you've got to time those jumps on the platforms that disappear like mm-hmm. so perfectly and I think it goes back to what Stuart was saying about the labyrinth level in Sonic 1 where you almost got to caress the button like I'm sure people who can remember that they had certain control pads where they actually almost had like a textual sense of the button pushes and they mm. could like you know if, although you're essentially just pushing the same button you felt like you had a myriad ways that you could caress the button to achieve the kind of control that you want and it is one of those where you've got to just almost just tap it to get like a small jump yeah. to be able to completely finish that sequence because i think it's like a series of maybe five disappearing ledges towards the end of wing fortress zone and if you just don't if you can't do it then you know you're constantly falling to your death mm. so yeah i found that really difficult um do you want to know the actual pattern and how it works oh so there's actually there's actually rhyme to it's it and there's a reason go ahead kind of but also not i found this out again watching speedruns the timing of the platform is dependent on how long your console has been on for. Really? So it uses a timer for how long the Mega Drive had been on and then randomizes the pattern based on that amount of time. So there are X number of like variants, I guess, mm. so that I think speedrunners will see the first two and be able to figure out what the pattern is so they know when they have to jump onto the first one. <laughs> But, yeah, as a kid, I couldn't get it. I thought it was completely Mm. random. I literally thought it's deliberately making me fall on the fourth one. Like, it's just letting it go from under me. I thought it was all about the speed at which you do it in the sense that I know you have to kind of stop. Um, You've almost not got time to turn to the direction you need to face to be able to make the jump. And I thought it almost had to be like a rhythm-based challenge where you've got to time each jump at a certain Mm. speed to be able to do it because if you take too long on any individual jump in the sequence then then you're obviously gonna then you're done so it's weird if it's about how long the console's been on then surely it gets should get slower but then more it's almost like the more (laughs) times you've tried it they should actually slow down the sequence but no sadly not no one thing i had noticed about this level is that there are a couple of little shortcuts and there's a fairly easy to access extra life as well um, which can help getting through the level being a little bit easier Um, but certainly you cannot avoid those platforms and they are very very frustrating Um, I think sort of in the last couple of uh, the last little sort of bit of this level I blew through the sort of 10 life stockpile that I had amassed through the game and I think I continue as well um, just because of those sort of frustrating blind jumps and disappearing platforms uh, that, basic, that resulted in the death. Yeah, I mean, it is, I think, the hardest part of either of the first two games. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. The boss for this one is pretty tricky too. So after you jump over those platforms, a um, robotic kind of locks you in a room with two like lasers and a ceiling-mounted laser is going across the top being controlled by Robotnik, I assume, and he's just shooting down to you. At the same time as that, three platforms are seemingly bouncing around at random with spikes on the bottom. 
and you have to use those platforms to kind of jump up and hit the lasers and I found this like really frustrating yeah I didn't even know what you was meant to do to begin <laughs> with it took me a while because again like I hadn't played this one as a kid I just didn't have any point of reference I couldn't figure out what it is I was meant to be hitting um, but then of course like you say yeah you're actually meant to use the projectiles as, as the kind of uh, the levels in order to be able to jump up high enough to hit the beam before it's kind of ignited. Mm-hmm. Feels a bit. I've always felt this one feels a bit unfair. Perhaps felt a little bit of the hit boxes on the spikes was off a little bit. Um, sometimes I felt like I was miles away from them getting hit, or and that could just be the tight space kind of tricking you. Yeah, a lot of it never feels as if you can make the jump from one spike platform to another one as they're sort of crossing over and what have you um, without then hitting the beam of the laser as well um, So and then once you fall down trying to get your timing right to start getting back up onto the platforms to start hitting the laser again um, is very annoying Sure. Um, so after this boss you get a bit of a cutscene where Sonic chases um, Eggman or Dr. Robotnik and he can't catch up with him and he jumps into a spacecraft. Tails re- reappears with his trusty uh, biplane and they kind of try to go up into the atmosphere chasing the spacecraft. Sonic pretty quickly realises that the biplane probably can't make it up into space so he hops onto the side of the spacecraft. What's a little bit annoying here? Is this canonically shows that Sonic doesn't need oxygen to breathe? <laughs> so why have we been pissing about in the water all this time? Even as a kid, that frustrated me, and I couldn't quite work out what was going on. Um, so if anyone knows, answers on a postcard, let us know. There's a difference between breathing <laughs> in water and breathing in space. You're presented with the Death Egg Zone, which is the final zone. The Death Egg is a giant egg. It looks a bit like the Death Star from Star Wars. By a bit, I mean a lot. <laughs> Sonic runs into a room, and Dr. Robotnik is behind a little grate and pops down Mecha Sonic, a little robot copy of Sonic. And it's got like the uh, blades as the spikes, isn't it? Like serrated blades, yeah. Um, what, again, this is one of those ones where they, they elevate the difficulty by the fact you've got no coins, like at all. Okay, yeah. Um, so you can only take one hit from him. He has a variety of different uh, movesets, I guess, where particular parts of it, you cannot hit him no matter what. For example, when he does his spin dash attack, much like Sonic's, he's invincible. You have no choice. You can't hit him, so you have to kind of dodge him. He isn't as fast as Sonic, I'm guessing, because he kind of uses, like, he kind of, like, skates, like he's got, like, rockets on mm. his shoes. So there is moves, like spin dashing. Um, moving across the level from side to side and he kind of has a spin dash jump where he kind of loops over yeah so it's about again remembering the pattern and, and being quick to yeah. kind of it's more about like evasion isn't it than, and then getting on the yeah. offence yeah. um, and then yeah just taking your chances whilst those spinny blades that you were talking about are moving and is is at the back of him that's when you've got your chance to attack really because it's like again it's one of these bosses where the animation is giving you your chance to attack, kind of. Stuart, anything to add about Metal Sonic? Yeah, it's... As I said, um, even for the... Just the Death Egg Zone in general is a very cruel design decision and to have to face two bosses back-to-back with no rings and uh, trying to learn the attack patterns um, for both of those um, with potentially on 
a lot less lives than you started with going into the Wing Fortress zone. The fact that the Metal Sonic doesn't just go... The fact that he goes across the floor twice before he then does the jump spin um, means that you're already, you know, the first time you come across him, you're already up in the air uh, whenever he decides to do the jump spin and uh, you're obviously going to get hit that way. So yeah, you... It's like almost a default that you will lose at least one life um, during that fight. You know, because there's no way that you could know that he's going to do that. No, like, tell, yeah. So, you would think, great, I've done the final boss. I had no rings, awesome. Nah. You uh, chase Robotnik again, and this time he jumps in what is known as the Death Egg Robot. Which is a huge battle suit shaped like Dr. Robotnik, with spikes for fingers and a jetpack that can also launch bombs if you manage to get behind it. Uh, the spiked hands will shoot out of the uh, suit and it also makes it kind of difficult to hit him because as he's walking, they kind of protrude yeah. out from his mm. belly. Um, the other attack is it will disappear off screen and kind of lock onto Sonic to try and hit him. Um, uh, the best chance you get to hit him is when he kind of bends on his knees when he lands. And you can kind of, he rocks forward and you can hit the belly. But even then, the hit zone is pretty tight on not getting caught by the spiky hand. Yeah, it definitely is. And uh, it's very easy to lose at least one or two lives. And again, then that puts you right back um, to before the uh, the Mechasonic fight. I swore on a couple of occasions. <laughs> let's, put it, let's put it that way. I, I, I like the scale on this, though. And actually, I did like the combination of the two bosses. I almost feel like I wish, although... Yeah, you're right, they're artificially making it a lot harder because of the way that they've structured the levels rather yeah. than the actual boss fight itself. I, I do wish some of the other boss fights in the games could have been as memorable as this. Like, I feel like they kind of... They, they saved their one or two few genuinely good ideas and designs for yeah, right towards for the, the end. end. Yeah. Yeah. You eventually beat that, and then Sonic tumbles back down to Earth to be caught by Tails in the biplane. And all the animals are free again. Hey. <laughs> um, this is where you get a slightly different ending. I think if you manage to get all the Chaos Emeralds, Sonic will turn into Super Sonic. Yeah, he does. Yes. Um, he appears yes. in these sort of the bright yellow. through the lands, showing off. Um, but otherwise, Sonic 2 is done and dusted at that point. And the only thing to mention, uh, last thing for this game, is the multiplayer mode. Um, so it had a selection of levels where you could play split screen racing against each other and it would kind of give out points based on who finished first, who got the most mm. rings, things like that. I, As children we spent too much time playing this because when you go back it's pretty crappy. Um, it's like squash down versions to fit in the split screen and the frame rate takes quite a bit of a hit. To like keep up with two versions of the levels running up. Yeah, I was gonna say that um, I haven't played this since um, the Mega Drive days. No. And uh, yeah, even then I did remember it being um, quite squashed, and uh, then fighting over who was going to play as Tails. Because <laughs> no one wanted to. It only had three zones: Emerald Hill, Casino Night, Mystic Cave, and then you could play through one of the special stages. And there was power-ups as well, I think, like a teleporter or something that would switch who you were, which the positions of the two characters. I think that might have been the only items in the game. I went back and found a GameSpot review for this one, so it says it was written in uh, 20, 2007, but they do claim to be reviewing the Mega Drive version. They gave it a 7.5 out of 10. 
They said it's got large levels that let you explore and cut loose with speed. Colourful levels, colourful graphics have a good sense of personality. You'll be humming the tune after you shut the game off. And two people can play co-op or compete in races. And the bad, they say, price is a bit steep, considering Sonic 2 is in numerous budget compilations. And the versus mode offers only four zones. So I guess that's is taking a modern spin on it. So I guess that just leaves us to say, guys, what do you think of Sonic 2 overall? Enjoyed it. Really pleased that I managed to uh, finish it on this occasion and playing it on the 3DS was, you know, a, a perfect fit for me. So, yeah, I think uh, serving my penance of a period on <laughs> this episode, <laughs> I, I did enjoy, you know, going back for the nostalgia for Sonic 1 um, and actually being able to play Sonic 2 through to its, uh, you know, end sequence and finally finishing it, uh, you know, being able to beat what my child self wasn't able to, uh, you know, was gratifying and I do think it is my favourite of the, you know, the first two games, so probably, I guess by default then, it is my favourite Sonic game, although I do like the racing <laughs> Sonic games, the, uh, you know, Sega, oh, yeah, exactly. I think for me overall, it, I would say it holds up fairly well, um, so it doesn't, again, it's a good distillation of what the Sonic games are best at and I think for the scaling back the levels to be just two acts per level allows for a bigger variety of the design mm-hmm. decisions yeah. within that um, which works well in its favour but again just the design decisions of those sort of last uh, two levels uh, the Wing Fortress and the Death Egg Zone is just hair pulling out <laughs> frustrating so it is and uh, meant that there was an awful lot of children who never ever saw the end of that. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> it's not, uh, I was one of those children, I don't think I beat it mm. normally. Um, I think I said how I feel about this game pretty much at the top, that I feel it's the perfect like distillation of the core Sonic uh, components, like there isn't a better example. If you said to somebody, what is Sonic the Hedgehog, and you wanted them to get the basics, I think you'd show them Sonic 2. Personally, so yeah, really good game um, and one that they definitely build on in Sonic 3, which we're going to round off our talk about the trilogy next. So Sonic 3 was released in February of 1994 as a standalone release, and it was pretty well received, from what I understand. Um, we kind of cannot talk about just Sonic 3 on its own outside of the context of Sonic and Knuckles, which followed in October of 1984. 1994, sorry. Um, Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles were intended as a single game, however due to time constraints and the cost of a large capacity cartridge, Sega kind of split the game into two. So this is, I'm pretty sure this was a unique con- thing at that time and probably unique to this day, where the top of the Sonic & Knuckles cartridge would open up and you could put Sonic 3 on top of that as well. So, uh, the same book I was reading from before, uh, Console Wars, talks about this. So it talks about how they realised they got late and then it says, years later, Rue had remembered seeing a contraption that attached to a video game console. It could add new characters, levels and additional content. It would almost be like a game genie, except instead of granting powers, it would reveal new worlds. What if Sega could harness that technology? The best feature of Sonic 3 was his new player Knuckles. What if they were to account for a good part of the delay by adding that feature? They sold a, what if they sold a contraption that could essentially unlock the rest of the game? 
Amazingly, it would work. Sonic could then release the equivalent of Sonic 3 Part 1 in February 94, with the remaining, with nothing more but a little cameo from Knuckles, whilst they finished off the second half. Um, so this game definitely adds more in the way of story. Um, so we're not going to run through each level of this one, because I guess you guys perhaps aren't as familiar as I am with it. No, I mean, I'll, I'll have to confess, like, my gold coins ran out. <laughs> and although I did pick it up <laughs> uh, on Steam, I didn't... This is not a game I played, you know, back in my youth, and it, and I, I didn't have any familiarity with it at all. And I only, I've only managed to put very little time, sadly, unfortunately, into, into the game before the record. So, uh, no, I'm interested to hear... Know about how it kind of expands on it, but no, I'm sadly gonna have little value to add in this conversation. Sure. And Stuart, whereabouts are you in the Sonic 3 legacy? Right, well, for me, um, unfortunately, being a lapse gamer, time caught up with me, and I uh, didn't get quite as far into Sonic 3 as I would have liked. Um, I sort of got through the first um, sort of four zones as such, enjoyed them. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I haven't progressed any further than the ice cap zone. Okay. Um, so far. Well, that's fair enough. We're gonna roll through anyway. Um, so this game definitely added more story, along with so one of the reasons why they needed that bigger memory capacity cartridge because the levels were way bigger, mm-hmm. like massive. Um, and I think part of that expansiveness was they kind of added cutscenes into the levels and stuff, and each level kind of had two distinct phases. It kind of be a pre-knuckles section often and a post-knuckles section and knuckles was the red echidna who is causing trouble um there is story behind why he's up to what he is he's kind of allied with robotnik at some point um, but i'm just going to read you this synopsis of the beginning of the game so the opening sequence of sonic 3 takes place many days after the ending of sonic 2 and sonic's plummet from the death egg not immediately succeeding Note the lack of booster plane on the end of Sonic 2. So I guess they have um, the biplane has like a booster rocket on it come beginning of Sonic 3. Um, as Sonic and Knuckles go to investigate mysterious happenings out to sea, Sonic transforms into Super Sonic, jumps off the plane and tears over the ocean onto the beach of Angel Island which has been pushed out of the sky by the weight of the crashed death egg. Knuckle punches out Sonic's Chaos Emeralds and nicks them and the gameplay begins. So we start off in Angel Island. Um, there's new gameplay mechanics that are immediately like shown off. So the new spin dash flash. Um, so when you jump, if you kind of double tap the jump button, Sonic will kind of flash. And what the flash is showing is for that like split second, Sonic's completely invincible, even to attacks that he would normally still take damage from when he's spin dashing. So like projectiles and stuff. Um, kind of comes in useful. You do feel that you are blocking things sometimes, but because it's so finicky and it is only like a split second, it's not something you can kind of rely on. Yeah, it's very hard to accurately deploy or at least rely on. I'm sure there's people that can. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I play. I've played this game a lot and had moments where it's like jinx. Like I've done it and I've been like, oh wow, like, impressed with myself. <laughs> But it's not something that I would ever claim I'm like skillful at. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, I guess, because I said before, Sonic 2 was a distillation of the cool, the core vibe of Sonic. I guess they added a lot of new things in this as well, including new pickups. So you get a bouncy bubble shield, which lets you breathe underwater. Hooray! A flame shield that makes you invulnerable to 
flames and gives you like a cool uh, dash when you do a spin jump. An electro shield gives you like a double jump and also sucks in rings. So Angel Island Zone, um, kind of similar to the first ones, is like lush. It kind of brings like this tropical aesthetic to it. it has some really cool enemies like little monkeys climbing up trees and um, like a rhino that's got a wheel in place of legs. Um, then we go on to Hydro City Zone, which is another water level. But it kind of mixes things up by having some cool loops and stuff. Um, one, it's kind of a bit like how we talked before about how some of the water levels give you a bit of speed. Uh, Marble Garden Zone, which if it was set to the music from Hilltop Zone would be the most boring level ever <laughs> in the history of the world. It's the most boring gameplay-wise. Has It's um, like a temple with weird... It's just boring. Really slow. Does everything it can to slow you down. Giving you this weird like spinning top you have to run on. Weird like treacle pulls. Lots of weird springs that bounce you back into spikes and stuff. Mm. By that notion though, Carnival Night Zone is like the ultimate epitome of the transition we've gone from Sonic 1 to Casino Night Zone to Carnival Night. It's like Carnival Night is crazy. There's bumpers everywhere. It adds, even throws in some water. Knuckles turns all the lights off. It's brilliant. Ice Cap Zone, really cool snow level. Has the, a really cool opening where Sonic cruises out, cruises in through a snowboard, which is something else I should add. Like Each level kind of has cutscenes cut between them. Mm. And Launch Base Zone, it's like a futuristic city where you're making your way to Eggman's final boss. One cool bit about this is you actually get to fly in the Eggmobile for a very brief section and then Knuckles gives you a little punch and you give it up. And that's kind of where Sonic 3, the first half, finishes. So at this point, if you're just playing Sonic 3, you will play launch base zone and the boss kind of has two phases to it again. You have rings this time. And what changes up is, is you don't do the second phase, if, which is um, robotic in this machine which has gigantic hands and you're kind of taking out the fingers. So you don't do that stage if you've got Sonic 3 plugged into Sonic and Levels. Bonus levels take a different form in this game. Again, they're 3D like Sonic 2. But this time you're on like a globe and you're collecting blue orbs. You hit and there's red orbs littered around as well and like bouncy orbs. If you hit any of the red orbs, you fail the level instantly. Um, you can get away with not collecting every orb because you kind of, if you go around in a square, all of the orbs in the middle will turn into rings. Um, similar deal again, collect all the Chaos Emeralds and you become supersonic. Where things get interesting though, is if you plug in Sonic and Knuckles, rather than finishing at the launch base zone, you go through a whole bunch of new levels. Eight new zones. And yeah, just before you go on, am I right in thinking, so, sorry, on level, on the first, sorry, the, what we're calling part one then of Sonic 3, yep. you've got, um, you said, I think, was it Angel Island Zone, Hydro yep. City Zone, Marble Garden Zone, Carnival, Carnival Night Zone, Ice Cap Zone, and Launch Base Zone. So that's, that's like it. fewer, or it sounds like fewer yeah. than Sonic Two, definitely. But am I right in thinking it's actually a, it's still a longer game though, even though it's yeah. fewer zones because they're more expansive. Yeah, I would say the levels are like bigger. Um, each level kind of each act could almost be two regular acts yeah, of. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to look on Sonic Three. Um, I'm going to look on how long to beat. Just see what it pans it at. 
just out of curiosity. Like I'm sure, like speed run. Four and a half hours. Right, okay. I think speed runs knuckles. of the first two yeah. Sonic games are like an hour, and I'm sure Sonic Three is like two hours to speed run through. But although I don't know whether that's actually combining Knuckles as well or not, I'm not completely sure. So you run through all those levels anyway, and then we get to Sonic and Knuckles. So we, we have Mushroom Hill Zone, Flying Battery Zone, Sandropolis. Lava Reef Zone, Hidden Palace Zone, Sky Sanctuary Zone, and the Death Egg Zone. So we go back to the Death Egg, much like Star Wars, Ribbon decides to rebuild the Death Star. <laughs> and uh, what are the uh, bosses like then in the in both parts? Are they much the same? Or are different. they better this time? Some levels will have a mid boss, um, but for example, so if we go back to Angel Island Zone, the first boss is just a big ball who shoots out fire. Oh, yeah, and the whole screen goes And moves goes from left to, to right, left to right. Yeah, yeah and then yeah, he sets the thing. Yeah. Hydro City, Dr. Robotnik kind of lands on this, like, there's, like, water on half of the screen, and it's kind of a bit like um, a semi, like a cylinder, kind of, and you're, like, going up and down, and he, like, plonks on this cylinder and kind of spins the water around. Yeah. Carnival Night Zone, it's like a big ball that he drops. It's a magnet that pulls you towards mm. him. Um, yeah, they're not particular. Other than Launch Pace Zone, which has a cool final boss where he's like this giant thing and has big hands, they're all similarly lacking, I guess. Graphically, a big step up, or I think it is a big step up, especially some of the Sonic and the Knuckles levels on the second half. Like Mushroom Hill Zone has a lot going on. It's got multiple like scrolling layers behind you. It's got richer denser like foreground there's even things like autumn leaves like fluttering past you and stuff so i definitely think even the fact like the second half of the first zone where the angel island gets set on fire even the fact that there's like flames flickering everywhere and the fact that each level also has multiple routes through because the extra feature as we've read from the book passages that you can play through the whole thing as knuckles instead adds that kind of you can see other parts of levels that you can't get to whilst you're going to them. It all adds. It definitely looks better, yeah. Yeah, Knuckles has the extra abilities of being able to wall climb and also yeah, we'll jump climb. glide. Yeah. Um, which then obviously does give you access to the uh, sort of level or areas that um, Sonic wouldn't be able to get to. So, where I guess this game gets even better <laughs> is if you just finish at the end of the game, you will get you'll beat the game and be done. But there is a way to get a best ending, kind of. Um, along with the Chaos Emeralds, they also add Super Emeralds, and the ma- which help you get the Master Emerald. Uh, if you pick up all the Super Emeralds, you become Hypersonic, which is like a crazier version <laughs> of um, Supersonic, even faster, and kind of has a super mode where like, if he hits anything, it kind of destroys everything else in the screen. So like Knuckles' version of it is when he glides, if he glides onto the floor, it kind of uh, explodes and kills thing. Knuckles has uh, tails kind of if you play as him on his own kind of has like this stomp where when he's flying he lands will destroy everything um, so for the best ending once you've beaten all the game you go to kind of um, a level called Doomsday Zone so yeah this is where I was thought it was super cool as a kid because um, once you you only get to play the levels once you've got all the regular emeralds and collected all the super emeralds you become hypersonic um, and as the Death Egg's crashing to the ground from the Death Egg Zone, you kind of fly up into space and Do- Dr. Robotnik is flying away with the Master Emerald. And um, you're kind of racing against time, so you're racing through space, but you're uh, 
um, ring total is like going down constantly and you have to beat Dr. Robotnik's like a giant flying mecha kind of like the robot from Sonic 2 um, this is one where I took advantage of the fact in Sonic 3 a second player can pick up the controller and use Tails um, so Tails kind of fly by the side of you and the end up like his mouth in Sonic 2 opens up the big robot and he shoots like a massive green beam from there so that's how it ends, really. It's a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, you know, like as Stuart said, we, I, I feel bad and remiss that I didn't manage, like, as a lapsed gamer, of course. Yeah. yeah it's hard that I've, I've run out of time, sadly, to make much progress yeah. with it. But I, I will, you know, you've, you've said enough to pique my interest that when I've got a little bit more time I'll play, I will go back and, uh, you know, get another Sonic fix. It's hard to explain it when there's no one to bounce it off, kind <laughs> of. But, um... So yeah, well, it was um, very ambitious of you to set us three games yeah. to fit into one <laughs> <True>. episode. <laughs> so yeah, so then you beat that, and then you get like the perfect ending where everything's sorted and you've beaten everybody. Um, the cool thing is you can play as Knuckles, as I said before. When Knuckles is running through the level, he's it's almost like he's um, one step ahead of Sonic and fight. He fights different versions of the bosses that are like robot versions of them all. Um, there is this whole essays about where Knuckles fits in the story and where he is at the same time where Sonic is and things I'm not going to read all that out the only other cool thing I guess to talk about with this game is the Michael Jackson mystery (laughs) so did you guys know that Michael Jackson was originally employed to do the soundtrack to Sonic the Hedgehog 3 I vaguely knew this I'd heard about it somewhere so is this post Moonwalker? This yeah. is post Moonwalker. Yeah. So the Moonwalker game was a hit, and they thought Michael Jackson. So he'd already been seen with Sonic, etc. And people thought it was a good idea to further let that relationship blossom. I guess um, it was a subject of. If, I don't know if you guys ever used to watch on game trailers. There's a thing called Pop Fiction where they kind of look at mysteries from video games and try to uncover whether or not they're true. Mm. Um, They did an episode on it where they were able to compare tracks. And unfortunately, that version of the video no longer exists because I think since Michael Jackson's death, his estate have tried to remove things using full versions of the song and they kind of latched onto that. Um, So now the video's up. It doesn't actually compare any of the songs. But Smooth Criminal and Who Is It? Both fit perfectly into Ice Cap Zone Act 1. Jam is basically the Carnival Night Zone. And then the very end credits, to me, sound identical to Stranger in Moscow. They kind of, at the time, it was kind of brushed under the carpet. His credits don't appear anywhere in the thing, even though there's so many songs that sound very alike. There was insinuations that perhaps because of the lifestyle choices he may or may not have led um, during the 90s, that that's why the songs were removed. Um, but there's never been proper confirmation until relatively recently. Um, they removed the tracks on the PC version, which led to the rumours coming out a little bit more. Um, I would definitely recommend people go to info.sonicretro.org and just Google and just on their search bar put Michael Jackson in. There's a whole page of like quotes from various people telling their point of view of the story. So like lawyers that worked with the 
um, with Sega at the time. Also, Mad, uh, Brad Buxer, who's actually credited as the music composer for the game, he says that he didn't play the game with any of the tracks that Michael had. He's not cred- He doesn't know why he's not credited, and that if he wasn't happy with it. There's something about how he did hear that Michael Jackson wasn't happy with the quality of the music coming out. It wasn't doing a faithful reproduction of his music. It's definitely something that's worth. Maybe we can include the link in the show notes and maybe even the link to the edited version of the pop fiction episode. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but like Robert Hector, who was executive coordinator of Sonic 3, did say come out and say that he did compose all of the music and then it was dropped after all his scandals went public. So it's just very interesting, um, and people might be able to. I haven't been able to actually find new versions of them directly comparing, but people might be able to. And that does it for our Windstop Tour Sonic trilogy. It's possibly the first time. Um, I'm not going to uh, my. I'm not going to sum up my feelings about Sonic Three Knuckles. I think it was like innovative at the time. It was the first Sonic game that I got day and day. Like I, de- I don't think I got Sonic Three day and day, but I got Sonic and Knuckles the day it came out. Oh. Um, so for me it was just like those wide expansive worlds were really cool and all the extra power-ups that added the cutscenes that added um, functionality it was just incredible and I happened to have a friend at the time I think at the school I was at then who was really big into Sonic so love it definitely recommend you guys go play it despite my somewhat rambling <laughs> description of how the game works. Yeah, so in some respects, then this is could be like people's favourite Sonic game or the one that they think I is the best. Why it is. Yeah. yeah. There's lots of, like, Sonic's animated better again. There's more things going on on screen. The fact that a second person can pick up and try and chase after Tails and he's actually kind of useful. Mm. You can pick Sonic up and help him fly to places. Yeah, I can see why people would be, and it came out like a little bit later, so perhaps people, because more people had Mega Drive's day one to pick it up at this point. So that just um, leaves us to sum up a few things. So the legacy of the Sonic, um, we could spend an entire show probably the same length as this one talking <laughs> about the legacy, like both within itself, but how it's kind of influenced other franchises. I just wanted to mention a few things of mine that I think are like the good, the bad. Sonic CD, game that's held in really high regard, was like the poster child for the Mega CD, had like a CD quality soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Game that more people might have heard of, Sonic Generations. Um, like merged the 3D and the 2D Sonic games. 3D Planet, which was like a Kickstarter that really is for all intents and purposes yes. really Yeah, good. Freedom Planet. Yeah, this came, yeah. we got that in the Humble Bundle, didn't Humble we? Humble Bundle, yep, yeah. that's how I got it too. Yeah. Um, so by all intents and purposes, a good spiritual successor to Sonic. I think it's got a good mix of like the fast action, but also has plenty of those slow down moments. Yeah, and better and boss fights, apparently. But it does have better boss fights because it has its own, it also adds a bit of a combat system in there. Sonic Racing Transformed, which you mentioned before, yeah, Lee. Yeah, brilliant racer. Yeah. They're really good racing games. Like, if no, if people haven't played them, they're up there with like the Mario Kart games. I'm pretty sure they'll probably be bought pretty cheaply because they've been on things like PlayStation Plus before and Humble Bundles. Uh, Sonic Jam was a really interesting one on the Saturn because it kind of had a uh, museum where you kind of walked around in 3D and could replay all the old Sonic games. Interestingly, had a version of Sonic 2 where you had rings for the last two bosses. Yeah. If only. <laughs> hey. um, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. I'm not particularly a fan of them. I played them back in the day. I don't think they've aged particularly well. 
don't think they as much like if we were to go back to Mario again and not to compare it too much but Super Mario 64 was that definitive leap for the Mario franchise mm. into 3D and showed us I don't think Sonic Adventure really was the same leap mm. people perhaps expected no I mean I think some of the some of the 2D um, like DS games were pretty good like the Sonic Rush and Sonic Rush Adventure Oh yeah, I was going to ask if you guys had any others. Sonic Russia, I couldn't remember what they were called. So they're Sonic Rush Adventures, the one that had like 3D boss fights or something, or maybe they both did. Yeah, uh, from, yeah. from they, the gameplay is largely 2D, but yeah, from what from what I can remember, there were some vehicles I think in Sonic Rush Adventure. So it kind of did marry the two, like you were saying before. It's been a while since I played them. Now, I must yeah. Guess. Um. I just wondered if you guys had any other. Um, there was that. Highlights. That was that RPG that Bioware developed. Oh God, yeah. Sonic Chronicles. Bro- yeah, bro- bro- yeah. It was Sonic Chronicles, the Brotherhood. I want to say, but, <laughs> but um, no, I think you're right. The Dark Brotherhood. Yes. Sonic Chronicles. Of- yeah, I didn't finish it, but for what I played, it was quite interesting. It had, um, you know, some good battle system in and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I never played it, but I remember it getting a lot of good praise at the time. Um. Stuart, you got any legacy things that were good? <laughs> Sonic or otherwise? Yeah, I can't think of anything, <laughs> any legacy things that have been good or bad, but I'm just thinking a couple of other titles that sort of pop off my head are some of the recent ones like Sonic Boom. Um, Sonic Boom of Fire and Ice, I think, is a new one that's been announced. Um, there is Sonic Colors, um, which is yes, fairly well, re- is fairly well regarded yeah. on the Wii. I have played a very small amount of Sonic the Hedgehog 4 Episode 1 um, mm. on Android and again it suffers the issue that I had with Sonic, um, the other Sonic games on Android in that the virtual sticks don't make it very easy um, but I think there was also some very odd physics choices um, within Sonic the Hedgehog 4 um, and particularly the way that he jumps or bounces off springs. Um, feels very different um, to yeah. how he does it in the, uh, the trilogy that we've discussed. Yep, I played them on the consoles and didn't enjoy them. I felt the physics felt really off, mm-hmm. and just they just weren't for me. Any others that we want to mention? I wrote down a list of other bad ones. There's like so many bad ones. Yeah, people know what they are. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Um, people know it. So I guess that's it. And the only other thing, the lasting legacy of the Sonic game is recently they announced two new projects. One called Project 2017 that looks like it's a Sonic Generations 2. And then they also announced Sonic Mania, which I have to say I'm really excited about. Yeah, I um, thought it looked great from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Very, it looks incredible. Very yeah. much epitomised in the kind of, you know, the Sonic games we've been discussing tonight. Yeah. Uh, they've returned to that, um, the same graphic style added new features like there's more animations in there the levels are bigger crazier there's like remix levels new levels what's very interesting about those it's not made by sonic team it's made by a group of people that have been modders in the past that have made like level mods for sonic 2 and sonic 3 yeah because i'm all right thinking though that actually sonic team has come to mean like the actual people that comprised sonic team that made you know the classic sonic games that you know they they had long departed and the, the kind of makeup yeah. of that team had varied massively. So, I mean, that's one of the most yep. obvious reasons of why, you know, people often say, why aren't the Sonic games as good? Like, why is it the, the early ones were the best? It's obviously clearly the personnel that were in place at that time. Yeah, 
Definitely. Um, so I think it's cool that perhaps these modders are getting given a chance to make a mainstream Sonic game because they've been modding the originals since forever, so they probably get a better feel. So I'm really hoping from what I've seen of it, it looks like they've nailed the physics and the look. Um, I think that's out early next year. Yeah, that is interesting because obviously sort of Super Mario Maker really kind of was inspired by modders, you know, people that had yeah. made those Rom kind hacks, of custom yeah. levels. So it's good to see that kind of trend continuing, like the audience uh, creating something, you know, themselves. Yeah. Um, the guy's called Christian Whitehead, who's one of the main guys. So he's worth looking up. Um, he's got other mods that have been out there for years. He made a full remake of the first Sonic, um, which added things like the spin dash and stuff. So he's worth looking up as well. Mm. I think that's me done talking, guys. <laughs> so we did get some listener mail. It's not just me that's a Sonic fan. So if you guys want to read us through our listener mail that we got, that would be great, and I can sit back. Well, well, Colm, Colm Sheridan isn't an historic Seagull or Sonic fan, because his response, which obviously clearly sums up the kind of 50% possibly <laughs> of the other audience, saying, I was on the other team, fellas. You know, he's obviously talking regarding that he possibly had a NES or, you know, being a SNES fan rather than a, a Seagull boy back in the day. Um, we also had a tweet coming in from the um, catch-up pod or the playing catch-up um, podcast. Sonic 2 was my first experience of importing. Uh, my mate brought it back from Singapore, had to disassemble the Mega Drive cartridge to fit it, um, but it opened up a whole new world I had never known before. Fondest memories are of Sonic 1, Green Hill Zone music is timeless. Yeah, and just to say on the playing catch-up uh, podcast, I, I haven't listened to the show yet, but I must admit they had a brilliant tweet out that said something like, um, you know, spending what precious little time that you've got to play games, making lists of all the games that you've bought but don't play. <laughs> yeah, no, just completely could, uh, you know, echo those sentiments. <laughs> we also had a very lengthy um, message from uh, Jack Smith um, at Chronogenesis, uh, one of the behind-the-scenes members of LGR. When I was young, my brother owned a Master System, and of all the games we owned, played and rented, the two which stood out above the rest were Alex Kidd in Miracle World and Sonic the Hedgehog. Both these games would keep our family entertained for hours as we played through them again and again, so I will admit there may be a bit of nostalgia at work here, but I always appreciated the game and found it more enjoyable than the Mega Drive Sonic games that I played at my aunts and cousins, and still do to this day. When people think Sonic, the word uh, that comes to mind is speed, and while the Master System title certainly was slower than its Mega Drive counterpart, it still felt zippy compared to many of its um, contemporaries, such as Alex Kidd, Super Mario, or Adventure Island. I can still clearly remember that there's a set of power-ups in the first level that makes your character so fast you can actually outrun the camera, with it only catching up to you when you hit a spike pit or the invisible wall at the end of the level. I do think the slower pace was actually an advantage for the game though, as it opened up the design for more careful, deliberate platforming alongside the run and jump dashes. You'll often find your route doubling back on itself, having to stop to make a few tricky well-timed jumps or scanning the environment for ways to reach a hidden chaos emerald. While Super Mario Bros. taught us what it means for a platformer to have good physics and control, Sonic the Hedgehog definitely followed the plumber's footsteps, delivering responsive controls despite his greater speed. This was especially important um, with the greater platforming focus, as mentioned earlier, and really made the game a joy to play. Credit also has to be given to the game's music, which is simply superb. I highly recommend people check out the gameplay videos to hear the goodness of Bridge, Jungle, and more. 
So overall, which, uh, with the Mega Drive Sonics are certainly fun and delivered a unique experience for me, the limitation of the Master System game actually helped deliver a more rounded and balanced platformer, delivering in speed, exploration and tricky platforming. When playing the Mega Drive games in comparison, they almost feel a bit too one-trick, or one-track in comparison, um, or the other elements feel a bit more forced and flow-breaking in comparison to the Master System's more seamless experience. To this day, I still boot up Sonic and Alex Kidd on the Wii U uh, via the Wii Virtual Console and enjoy them as much as I did over 20 years ago. Note, I don't think I played any of the Sonic Master System games back in the day, so I can't comment on them. Uh, though considering how much of a Puyo Puyo fan I was, I'm sure I would have been a Mean Bean Machine pretty rad. <laughs> oh, there's another good game. Yeah, mean Bean Machine was machine. fun. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe we missed that one. I love that one. And uh, yeah, lots of really you know succinct points raised by Jack in in, in regards to, like the Master System version. It kind of does um, make me kind of half want to return to see you know to replay Fire the Master System and Game Gear games just to see whether I've actually got a lot more memory of them. You know, once I start playing it. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, sorry, finally, we had a comment from Zach Singer, who is at uh, Magician Arcana or Arcana, sorry, um, on Twitter. Oh, I have fond memories of playing Sonic the Hedgehog with my cousin at every family gathering while growing up, and I, I can echo that. I can have vivid memories of trying to play Sonic 2 drunk, I think, <laughs> at, a friend, <laughs> at a friend's house. <laughs> Not the game to be playing drunk to FIFA or something <laughs> um, right guys I guess this is it so all I can say is thank you so much for um, indulging me with this <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much Adam for having us along yeah and, inviting um, us down memory lane it's been fun yeah and I guess um, we'd like to announce our next playlist game where people could take a similar trip down memory lane slightly different slant we're going a bit um, Halloween orientated so we're going to be playing through Resident Evil 4 I'm recording that in October, so it's available on a... We've been had much discussion, it's available on a bunch of platforms. Um, recently re-released in a HD form on Xbox One and PS4. So if people want to jump on board and play some of that and join in and send us some comments, that'd be great. And we also have a new Ballyhoo episode coming up in the form of Silent Hill and Silent Hill Revelations, which are both movies, I think. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay, so if you're into horror films, get watching them. And we'll be recording that pretty shortly too. Uh, I'm just going to do a wee finishing off bit here. As always, if you want to contact us, you can do it via the Twitter feed, which is at LapsGamer. You can also go onto the website, which is LapsGamer.com. You can email us at LapsGamerRadio at gmail.com. And you can um, get onto our Steam group. We also have a Facebook group and a uh, Facebook page as well. So please come over and join any discussions that we're currently having. Many thanks. And that's it, guys. It's finally over. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.